0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Just Friends. I'm your host Mitchell Embry, and this week's guest is particularly interesting to me. She has a huge impact on pretty much the rest of my life, and that feels like a real privilege. She's my mother-in-law, Miss Susan Shive. Honestly for me, one of the coolest things about marrying my wife was also getting the opportunity to marry her family. They're awesome people. I feel really lucky to have the in-laws that i have and i'm not just saying that stay out of trouble I, I genuinely mean it and i think that'll be obvious after you guys listen to the day's conversation with susan um, it was really fun for me i got the chance to really get to know her as a person to learn a little bit more about her relationship with my father-in-law who has politely requested to be excluded from today's narrative susan had a kind of a tough time with that but you're not going to hear his name mentioned by me You know, I don't know exactly what life is like for most people, but I don't expect a ton of people get the chance to sit down and have two to three hour long conversations one-on-one with their mother-in-law. Sarah wasn't even home when we were having our chat. And it was really, really enlightening. I felt like our relationship really improved just because we became more comfortable and confident talking to one another. And Susan is an awesome person. She's the nicest lady in the whole world. And I think that comes out in our conversation. And I think everybody's going to appreciate listening uh, to what Miss Susan has to say. And uh, I think you'll get a kick out of her personality because she's super fun. So without further ado, I'm excited to introduce to you my mother-in-law, the lovely Miss Susan Shive. Okay, so we're, we're recording.
1: We are right now?
0: I, I never stop. Oh,
1: you're kidding. No. <laughs> okay.
0: That's a lesson that I learned very early. Do not stop recording. Okay. I made that mistake a couple of times in Jake Stratton's episode and in TJ's episode.
1: Oh, did you really?
0: Yeah, it was frustrating a little bit.
1: Well, you know, the the interesting thing is, and I didn't bring it with me, I had this little um, this little notepad, and um, I actually couple of your friends said some really interesting quotes and one of the things that i do in my job is every morning i give a quote and i try to make it relevant to what's going on either politically or uh the time of year holidays or whatever and so a couple of their quotes i've actually used and i didn't bring my little notepad because i was going to mention those today mm. and um i didn't bring them but it's it's interesting because um they had some interesting quotes
0: were, they, were these quotes that they were, like, repeating, or were these quotes it that... It was their
1: own personal words. Wow. Yeah. Um, one of them was your friend, um, and we actually listened to hers when Sarah and I were in Arizona. Michelle? Yeah, from high school. She was the valedict... Was she the valedictorian yeah, or your prom a... date or some something like that?
0: She wasn't my date. She was prom queen, I believe, Prom at queen, one point. okay. And she was a valedictorian. She was a fancy pants. She was, like, the um, president
1: president you're okay president yes. in my class and And so I've enjoyed listening to your friends because I've gotten to know more about you really yeah which is um, which is really interesting because and you know like all of other Sarah's previous boyfriends I knew like their parents mm-hmm. or I knew their you know friends or you know so I knew all all kinds of stuff about them but with you I didn't know anything so um, that's why I'm, you
0: let me marry her yeah <laughs> Because <laughs> if you had known, you would be been like, no.
1: You ought to know Sarah. Um, she's at the point in her life, and she's always been like this, where I didn't let her do anything. Yeah, she. If I said, well, I might let you do that, she's going to do it anyway.
0: Yeah, so you're better off not so, telling her what to do. Yeah, yeah
1: so no, there that that question of did I let Sarah do something. Uh, no, I. you know, that that's not the way we raised Sarah. It was like... Um, a little little reverse psychology, you know. If you didn't want her to do something, you had to had to kind of reverse that out. But yeah, it's so funny you said that. But so I, I might have I might have one on my phone, just to, um, <clears throat> because sometimes I save them when I use them. Oh yeah. Hang on, let yeah, me. Just... You just sent me.
0: You've sent me like Snapchats that have the quotes of the days in them and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because some of them, I think, oh, somebody I know might like this, and then. You know, I'm sure it's being the pushy mother-in-law. Listen to this. Uh, let me just look real quick. I'm certain
0: that my friends will get a quote or will get a kick out of the fact that you took something away from just a <laughs> phrase that they came up with on their own.
1: I think this is Michelle's okay. because I actually used this pretty recently at work whenever um, we were all talking about having anxiety because of the pandemic and, and coming back and doing things Um And she said, and I don't even know what she was talking about, don't wait until you are comfortable to do something. Do it until you are comfortable. Mm. So, you know, I thought that was an interesting quote. Yeah. And it just happened to be relevant at work. So I I had that one on here. But the other ones, um, I think one of them... uh, I wish I could remember your friends' names. Yeah, if they, if they ever listen to this, I'm sorry I can't remember your name, but I remember lots of things about you, like who was the friend that at your wedding said wanted me to play under the bus or some game.
0: Oh, it could have been. Uh, it could have been quite a few of my friends. It might have been Jake. Could have been. Uh, oh gosh, I, tall I guy. TJ, maybe? TJ yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: I think that was him. Yeah, he TJ. wanted you to ride okay. the bus. Yeah, ride the bus. <laughs> that's what Brianna goes. No, Mrs. Shive, you don't want to ride the bus.
0: <laughs> no, you want to ride the bus. Riding the bus is amazing. I mean, okay. it'll get you drunk. If that's yeah. your goal, I mean. Well,
1: I couldn't do that before the wedding. <laughs> yeah, that would have been embarrassing. It yeah. was funny,
0: I think, because um, at our wedding by that time, like all of my groomsmen were already married. They'd already been yeah. through weddings. And uh, we got to a point where, I mean, for, for us – the jo- the job was done like literally all we had to do was put on tuxes now for yeah. the girls it was a significantly yeah. larger endeavor cuz they had right. to get their hair done and their makeup yeah. done so at one point we did stop and we started to you know imbibe a small amount yeah. um, just for fun cuz i mean i really had no nerves on our wedding day at all i was like the main thing i was trying to do was like get out the other side of it, because then at that point, I felt like I'd gotten away with it, you know? Gotten away with it. (laughs) But um, at some point, I did kind of feel like there may have been a feeling that we were being just a tad bit irresponsible. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, nah, this is going to be fine. This is going to be fine. Yeah. And I think it turned out well.
1: Yeah, I didn't think you were irresponsible. I don't know if you want to tell your mother-in-law you just got away with something, though.
0: (laughs) Oh, I think it's (laughs) obvious to anybody who knows me and also Sarah that I got away with a lot. Uh, Uh Uh-oh. But... You are probably the most prolific listener of the podcast, except for maybe my buddy Tim, who is a big fan, okay. and I appreciate Tim. Tim's yeah. awesome. Um, but you've listened to a lot of the episodes, I've I think, I've listened right? to all of them. Yeah?
1: Because quarantine gave me the time to do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I have.
1: I've listened to all of them.
0: I'm sorry I wasted so much of your time on no. my podcast. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it was really good. I could put it on there while I was cooking or while I was cleaning mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. So it was, it was something to do. I needed, you know, something to do. I was going nuts.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate yeah. that because, you know, I've put a lot of work into making these things exist
1: mm-hmm. and I'm
0: glad somebody's listening to them. Oh, yeah. But I checked the other day and I've had over 1,500 unique listeners to the podcast.
1: What denotes a unique listener?
0: Um, like,
1: like, am if, I unique? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: but let's say if I had a list of everybody who'd listen to the podcast, yeah, there'd be 1,500 names and none of them would repeat.
1: Oh, okay. So all oh, all okay. Yeah. okay, well, that's interesting. Yeah,
0: I don't know who the hell they are. Yeah, well, I was just going <laughs> to
1: ask. Uh, how many of those people do you think are people that know you?
0: I'd say most of them. Most of them. Um, I don't think I am the draw. I genuinely think I've done, I've tried really hard to get, people on that I think are interesting and that would be interesting to other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been the main thing, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why it's interesting for me that you listen because I don't, you don't know anybody.
1: No, I don't. Except for me. Right. So. Yeah. No, but I'm interested in getting to know you better. So here we get back to where we started this part of the conversation. Well, here's our chance. I, I did it because I wanted to get to know you better and, you know, I can be kind of investigative. So it was it was easy yeah
0: well that's fine but we have to save that for later because okay. the beginning of the podcast definitely has to be about getting to know you because you oh, are now officially okay. uh, um i guess initiated into this just friends community oh
1: good okay
0: and in order for you to fully be fully initiated uh, we got to kind of hear about your past a little okay. bit.
1: Okay. Well, the word "initiated" scares me because I was initiated into a sorority. Oh. I was initiated into band, mm-hmm. and uh, back in those days, we could do all kinds of stuff. And I'll I'll tell you that story. I can't wait to hear that. But story. Um, but n- today initiations are different, aren't they? So yes. I don't have to like get mustard thrown on me or do stupid things or steal anything. <laughs>
0: No, you're pretty much doing it right now. Oh, good. Like, okay. You're, you're in the process of being oh, initiated. I like
1: that initiation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So you were born in Louisville, right? No no. no, 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 no. See, already I'm showing my ignorance. I did zero okay. research for this podcast. Oh,
1: good. Well, Sarah, <laughs> you know, like sometimes you wonder if your kids remember stuff like this because, mm-hmm. yeah, I probably told them where I was born when they had a school project that they needed to do. And mom, where were you born? You know, Winchester. Where is that? Um, they've never been to Winchester. I've never taken them because I don't have any relatives there. Uh. Um, but um, I was born in Winchester, July 1st, 1959. So I will soon be 61. It's hard to say because I feel like, in my head, I feel like I'm still 35 and I want to run around like with my daughter, like she's my best friend and do all the stuff. And then I go hiking with her and I realize, no, I'm 60. Mm. (laughs) I can't do that. You know, she's really kind to me and hikes slow and, and she does the same thing for me. No, you're a fast walker I've hiked with you before And you're a fast fast hiker, a fast walker Yeah, I'm you trying really to get it over
0: with yeah. I'm like, I want to get this over with okay. as fast as I can okay.
1: Well, see, I really enjoy it And I'm the one that stops and takes pictures and everything and Or uses that as my excuse to rest mm-hmm. Oh, here's a great picture, Mom It's just a rock Yeah, I know it's pretty <laughs> So she figured, yeah, she figured that out Here hear you do it Yeah, exactly Thank you for putting that That wasn't me that did the heavy breathing Thank you for doing that <laughs>
0: I probably edit that little yes, it was okay, out, but that's okay. okay. Yeah. So, Winchester, tell me okay. about Winchester.
1: Win- uh, well, I should go back and tell you that um, my mom and dad were divorced. And my dad was a teacher. He worked for the phone company in Murray, Kentucky, and actually he traveled a lot. So, um, but he met my mom in Murray, Kentucky, and he um, had been divorced twice, which I didn't even know that till later in my life. His second marriage was only about a year; didn't last very long. And um, so, my mom was taking a class in the phone company, and she met him. She dated the teacher. Well, the. Um, The bad thing was she got pregnant. So I was an oops baby. And, uh, you know. As many of us were. Yeah. So they didn't have to get married, but they chose to. Mm -hmm. Because I think back in those days... You either aborted the baby secretly or you got married. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a disgrace. It wasn't okay. It wasn't socially acceptable. It would be really, really hard for her if she wasn't married. So he did the right thing, and he married her, which was great. They were married for 50 years, and um, even as, you know, their later in life marriage, because he was 40 and she was 35. Hello, Winifred. I so you are, are? she allowed up here on the oh, couch? Oh yeah, she can do okay. anything you can she come wants. Up here. Okay.
0: She's gonna what she's gonna do is she's gonna walk out of this room a, a different way than she came in, and she's gonna knock something over.
1: Oh that's, well, that's okay. okay. But um, so anyway, so they got married and never ever celebrated their anniversary never ever told any of us when their their wedding date was they just kind of ran off and got married they didn't want me to know I found out because my sister told me that I was uh, they got married because uh, they were pregnant with me Uh and um, so you know and I think she was doing it to be mischievous and mean and you know i was like oh well that's okay no big deal (laughs) but um anyway so it backfired for her but um so he had two sons and she had a son and a daughter so i was the youngest of five and the only one that they had together and um uh close i was very close to um my brother my half brother we we called each other brother or sister because my dad raised them as if they were his own kids. So we didn't call each other half brother, or half sister, or whatever. We all lived in the same house. But then they moved from Murray to Winchester. Mm. He got transferred there and we lived there. Um, that's where I was born. So once, and I, I don't know if that's because she was pregnant and they had to move out of that small community. Um, I have never been to Murray. Really? Um Yeah, I know. Never been there. I know a lot of people have gone to school. there mm-hmm. kids gone Me to too. school there. My kids didn't visit that college or anything, so I never went. Never had a reason to. But um, so we moved to Winchester, and um, we were there for two years, I guess. I don't really remember much about it. I see some old photographs of the house, you know, that we lived in, and I hear stories. Uh, from or I heard stories from my sister and my brother a little bit, and my other two brothers I'm not very close to anymore. Um, they live far away, and so, or one does. Um, but uh, then I know whenever I was two, we moved to Louisville, and then mm. we were in Louisville for three years, and then we moved to Owensboro, and that's where I lived my elementary school life, and then we moved back to Louisville. And that's where I we stayed, and we moved back to Louisville. And you know, like when we were lived earlier, we lived in St. Matthews um, for a couple of years, and then we moved to Owensboro from St. Matthews. But the only reason why we chose that end of town was because my grandfather lived out like Eastwood. Okay. Actually, the man that owned Valhalla Farm. Um. All that acreage and stuff, my grandfather worked for him when we moved back. Before that, he was a painter, poor. My my dad grew up poor. My my mom grew up a little better off, but she was from Pennsylvania, from Sewickley, Pennsylvania, but my dad grew up very poor. He was one of five kids, and uh, the second to the oldest, and the only one that was still living for, gosh, I guess he died in 2011, but the all the others died before him. So he had to take care of all of them. But anyway, his dad lived um, out there in a dirt, in a little, like, shack, like a little, it was his house, though, so it was, had a dirt floor, you know, and one room, and, uh, uh, but he was very happy, and he worked for Mr. Osborne, and so we chose to live out in the East End to be close to him, especially as he got older, and, uh, and so that, you know, like, you wonder why do people move in a certain area of Louisville that come from out of town, and our reason for choosing that area was because of my grandfather living in that area, because that's where he could get work and could get a job.
0: Yeah, I've lived in the South End of Louisville my whole life, so I totally understand why people don't move here.
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny because my sister lived in the South End for a long time, so I was familiar with part of it because Mm -hmm. um, she lived in Windsor Forest. Okay, yeah. First, she lived off of Gagel, and when I was in college, I would, to earn extra money, would clean people's houses, and I cleaned her house off of Linda Way, Gagel Avenue, and, um, and so then she moved from Gagel to Windsor Forest, but... Um, that was her second husband, and she did that because um, uh, he lived, worked in Fort Knox. Oh, ah, so, that um, makes sense. And yeah, so she worked downtown, so it was convenient. Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway, so that's that's how I got to the East End, and Middletown is where where I grew up. Okay, and went to Eastern High School. Okay, and, yeah, Middletown Elementary, my elementary school, um, because we didn't have middle school like like you went from elementary school to high school right you know and eastern had they called it junior high where they stuck us like in one area of the school one Mm -hmm. corner of the school but we were still with two thousand students you know goodness gracious so you started to walk through the halls with the big seniors and ride the bus with the big seniors Mm -hmm. and all that stuff
0: in my experience though the the older kids are way nicer than middle school kids middle school (laughs) kids are mean They're mean.
1: Well, that's your experience as a teacher. Yeah, and
0: well, to each other. Yeah, though, from my well, observations, yeah, they're mean true. to each other. Yeah, I, I, if if you're an 18 year old man and you're picking on like a little like 12 year old sixth grader, yeah, man, there's something wrong. You're yeah. just being a real asshole at that yeah. point.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I, I saw some of that. Yeah. Oh really? Fights in the schools. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that You happens. know, and you hated it if you were on the staircase going from one floor to the other, first to the third floor, which always seemed to be how it worked out. You know, whoever made the schedules in the teacher's classrooms? I have to go from the, you know, the far left wing to the first floor to the third floor of the far right wing in five minutes and stop and get my locker and go to the bathroom? What? So there was always a fight in the staircase because you didn't, you weren't the only one on the staircase. You moved with the masses up yeah. or back, you know.
0: I think Eastern is still the largest school in terms of population. Is JCPS. Oh, I think so. Yeah. When I was in high school, we had a similar situation. Um, PRP had two buildings. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that you didn't have middle school because my dad was in the same situation. Yeah. But they they added middle school um, while he was in seventh grade.
1: Yeah, because he's a little bit younger than I am. I, I think, think he's
0: the same exact oh, age is he? as you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Um. Well, he'll, he'll turn, my dad will turn 61. No, my dad just turned 61 a couple of weekends ago. So, uh, at first there was just the PRP, the main building. Yeah. And then off to the back, there was the vocational building. Yeah. And so my dad's experience was he left fifth grade. Oh no, excuse me. He went to he he, he went to first through sixth grade at the same school. Okay. And then he went to PRP for seventh grade. Okay. And then to middle school for eighth grade and then back to Oh wow. He went back
1: and forth. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, but there's a vocational building that was that was totally separate. And then eventually PRP acquired that building and they started putting classes over there.
1: Yeah. So we would have
0: to like if you had a class on the third floor of the main building and then you had to get to the second floor of the tech building. Yeah. You could be walking as fast as you wanted to. And it was going to take seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Didn't they kind of they probably I think there was at one point where Jefferson County was building so many schools or adding on that some of the schools they actually instead of five minutes made it to seven minutes because I think it might have been my freshman year. They finally decided to add on to Eastern or might have been my sophomore year. And they did that. They allowed, you know, seven minutes between classes Mm. instead of five. Not that it helped or anything, but...
0: The way they're structuring schools now is they're doing these things called academies. Yeah. And uh, you uh, choose to be a part of an academy based on like, uh, I guess, kind of like your aspirations for the future. And they... They put different academies in different sections of the school, and the ideal situation is that you have all of your classes in, like, one area of the school, so you don't have to move very far. Okay. And that worked really well um, at both of the schools that I worked at. They they were both doing an academy model, and mm. for the most part, like, all the kids' classrooms would be in, like, one little section of the school, so five minutes was plenty, I think. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so...
1: Yeah, that's kind of interesting, you know, they um, they it took them a long time to build the middle school. Um, Crosby was would have been the middle school. And I know they talked about it and talked about it. My dad kept saying, yeah, you'll go to Crosby. You know, no, it didn't get built for a long time. But um, Mr. Crosby was the principal at the middle school, or I guess my sixth grade is when I moved to Louisville and, um, in the middle of sixth grade. And so um, he was the principal there at the school that I was at. So they named the school after him. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. that's pretty cool was pretty cool yeah but um but moving from there from owensboro and then to louisville because when i was in owensboro we had one car in my family and um my dad had, i guess he had a company car but he wasn't allowed to let anybody sit in it you know and he was very legalistic kind of like my husband's funny how you marry somebody that's a lot like your dad and uh sarah's done that too so it's kind of funny to i me. don't i can't imagine it at all oh yeah see all kinds of similarities in you and I'll say that to her do you realize that's yes I, I know you've always said that and I'm yeah yeah and then the other thing I always say is look at your friends because People will marry somebody that kind of had the same facial features. And yes, and you and Sarah have some of the similar facial features, especially that first time I saw when you shaved your beard. I was like, oh, my gosh, they got the same smile. And we didn't always see that on you because you had that full beard. Yeah. But um, and your eyes are a lot. Yeah. So anyway, you you remind me a lot of Bill in a lot of ways. But anyway, so my dad getting back to that. See how I get off on tangents. That's That's perfect. That's going to drive you nuts. No, this is the
0: perfect like platform to get off on tangents because we have so much time we have so much time
1: okay so anyway um my dad and mom when we lived in owensboro only had one car and because i was the oops baby there's so many years between my sister and my brother-in-law she would drive me there was no bus service in owensboro small town it's grown a lot but there was no bus service so she would drive me to elementary school and uh, my brother to um high school and my sister to college. Wow. Because, yeah. My sister went to Kentucky Wesleyan and my brother went to Owensboro High School. There were only two high schools, either you were Catholic or you were not, and then um, elementary school. So it was really funny because she would, and then she'd reverse the carpool around um, coming home because she didn't work. And uh, so whoever got to in the door first got to have the first sneak peek of whatever she baked that day because she baked every day. Wow. So, um, you know, ate bad. I was always eating bad cookie dough, raw cookie dough. She always saved raw mm. cookie dough. And, oh, gosh, it's so good. But anyway, so then when we moved to Louisville, it was so strange, like, moving to the big city. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom quit driving. She was afraid to drive. She Right after we moved here, she got into a car accident, so she was afraid to drive. So... Um, we did the buses, and I did, you know, bus service for school, which was really weird for me. And, um, and then we, she would ride the bus, she didn't work for a long time. And then she decided college was going to be expensive for me. And, and my brother was, and my sister, I guess, were still in school. So she eventually went back to work. And then she rode the bus service, that TARC downtown to work when my dad couldn't, couldn't take her. But, um, but it was really, you know, a culture shock going from little town Owensboro where your mom drove you around everywhere to coming up here so it was kind of strange I I was big into dancing like Sarah when I lived in Owensboro and had Mr. Hajini was my dance instructor so that was fun Mr.
0: Hygiene Mr.
1: Hajini was my dance instructor and his daughter yeah
0: that sounds like a nickname for your (laughs) husband (laughs) Mr. Hygiene.
1: Hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Now he can't, right. he can't
0: listen to this. Was,
1: no, he can't.
0: I'm not allowed to make fun of my <laughs> no. father in law. I don't think that's like against <laughs> no, the law. No, right? He
1: won't care. Yeah. Oh, you can make fun of him. Oh, yeah. I would we, never. Oh, we always tease and make fun of him. He's the most fun person to tease and make fun of. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm
0: a little bit terrified of him. Are I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Sarah's like, why? Why would you, you be? be I'm, I'm, I'm freaked. I'm no. scared.
1: Oh, well, you shouldn't be. He's not that scary. He's like, a how does Sarah describe her dad? A toasted, over toasted marshmallow, a little rough on the outside, but just soft and mushy in the middle. And that's exactly, that's like a perfect, perfect uh, description of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he comes off gruff that kind of like our dog. Oscar, rah, 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 and then he just rolls over on his back, you know. Yeah, that's funny. I never thought about Oscar and Bill being so much alike, but they are. <laughs>
0: I've, I've read that that uh, yeah. people's pets like uh, yeah. <laughs> take on their personalities. We've had I see so it in many Winifred. pets, so how really? do you
1: decide which one took on your personality? I think they probably but all did. Yeah, do. they probably did. Just like yeah. your kids. Uh, yeah. So that's funny.
0: You know, I never rode the bus to school, but I always rode the bus home. Yeah. Except for when I was in middle school because we lived so close to my middle school that I walked home.
1: Right. So that's just an interesting thing about me. Yeah. Did you like walking home? I always thought that would be fun to be so close to school you could just walk home
0: I tell you what when I was in middle school I really struggled with like socializing and I didn't have a lot of friends um I was very awkward and so like often I would just walk home by myself so yeah. and, and then it, it was the sad thing about it was there was a group of boys who live in the same yeah. neighborhood as us and they would walk home without me yeah I would just kind of follow them yeah, by myself. Aww.
1: yeah. it was sad i was I was
0: lame <laughs> i was I was a uh, I was just awkward and shy, and I wasn't good at making friends.
1: You know, I think if you talk to most middle schoolers, even the ones that maybe we think were um, outgoing or really good at making friends, they probably say the same thing. Yeah. I think that's how everybody feels at that age because everything's changing. Yeah. Your life's changing. Your body's changing. You know, everything's changing. No, that's okay. Um, But I think I think everybody in middle school would would think that same exact thing.
0: And that's kind of something that I think is this podcast has made clear to me is that all of the all the strange feelings that I had about myself and like my lack of understanding about like interpersonal relationships yeah. that I was experiencing and I thought was unique about me. No, right. no, everybody was
1: having Yeah. And and why don't we talk about that? It's like, uh, you know, why don't we share that right at the time when it's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, my parents didn't, but you know, I didn't talk to them as much as, as um, when I became a parent, as much as I talked to my kids and I'm sure my kids are going to say the same things when they have kids <clears throat> when they have kids, they're going to say that whether they're adopted or their own, they're going to say <clears throat> the same thing, um, that I'm going to talk to my kids a lot more than my parents because my parents didn't talk about that. And and then sometimes I think we forget how much our parents talk to us, mm-hmm. you know, and until all of a sudden we're doing something later in life and we go, oh, I remember when my mom tried to talk to me about that and I shut her down, you know, because mm-hmm. that's happened to me a couple times just recently. But um, it's like, why don't why don't we talk about that when the kids are going through it? You know, yeah. partially they have to be receptive to hear it mm-hmm. and they're not always.
0: Yeah. Once kids reach, I think, like six or seven um, up to that point, your parent is like the main like. They're, like, kind of, like, driving your development. Yeah. But from that point on, it's your friends. Yeah. From, like, yeah. six on, it's, yeah. like, who are you hanging out You're with right. that really has a lot to do You're with right. the person you become.
1: Yeah. Were your parents the type that tried to control who they were you were hanging out with?
0: Not me. No? Okay. My parents, my parents they were concerned, like, is he ever going to, like yeah be friends would
1: you try something? yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> he doesn't seem to have any
0: friends he spends a lot of time reading should we be concerned should we
1: <laughs> did you try to sneak books to the table the kitchen table like for dinner and breakfast and stuff
0: when i would get in trouble <laughs> they would take my books away
1: oh, and so they really
0: they would my parents would take my books away because i was getting bad grades because rather than paying attention in class i was you reading. were
1: reading the books yeah, yeah. Every now and then, Sarah would—I mean, sometimes when they were little, little, we'd let them read books at the table, and I'd read books while they were eating. But then when she got older, she'd try to sneak a book at the table. Mm she didn't sit there, you know, put the book away. We're we're talking, you know. I know uh, one of the teachers that Sarah and William had um, always said— Uh, Read to your children, even when they're in high school. Read until they're like 18. Uh, Sit down and and read a book with them. Whatever book it is they're reading, let them read a chapter and you read a chapter, or them a page and you a page. But you want to always read to your kids um, because they have to learn to listen, too. And, um, and it's interaction. But she would say, don't stop just because they can read on their own. You need to sit down and read with them. And that was harder when they were uh, older because, number one, I fell asleep really easy. My kids will tell you how many times I fell asleep when I was reading to them, you know. And then, um, and then when they get older, you know, they don't want 16-year-old, mm-hmm. mom, you don't want to sit down and read with me, do you? Mom, you know? go
0: away. Yeah,
1: exactly. Go <laughs> Exactly. Away. And I found, you know. It it was funny because um, growing up, um, my mom and dad never really wanted to talk to me until I was in trouble. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, I don't know how you were raised, but I was not raised getting spanked a lot. I got spanked occasionally, but not very often. But my parents were really good and they thought thought because I was the fifth child they knew everything and that they um, you know I've been through four other kids so I know you know what didn't work for them and and I got away with all kinds of stuff but um, and those there's a lot of stories there but um, I didn't get spanked very much but the thing that they would do that just drove me nuts especially my dad is they would sit me down and talk Mm. and I knew when I was in trouble my dad Susie um, let's just talk about that. Now, are you, are you comfortable? You know, and he would have me sit down. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be looking at my watch. I got other things to do or, you know. <clears throat> now, let's just talk about what went on this evening and why we were doing it. So, you know, I got to a point where I didn't want to sit down and talk to my parents because it was usually because I was in trouble. So, I, I've read lots of things uh, that would
0: suggest that, like, that's the best way to punish your kids yeah, oh
1: gosh, is to just yes. make them talk to you. Yeah, because it it, oh. it does
0: two things. One. It's the last thing in the world that they want to be doing, which makes it the best punishment. And then, like, you actually have the opportunity to impart, like, some wisdom through that conversation. So that makes a lot of sense.
1: And and I grew up with really, they were really strict with me. Like, because of other things my siblings did, Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't allowed to date until I was um, 16. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to... um, ride with anyone in a car, even though I was, um, like, that wasn't an adult, even though I was 16, you know, it was either my dad drove me or I drove, mm-hmm. and I wasn't allowed to drive anyone. So it was, I mean, it was really hard. He was really strict, and that was just because of a lawsuit that they were involved in with one of my brothers mm-hmm. when I was younger, when I was two. And, and I don't know a lot about it other than um, it happened in Winchester, mm-hmm. and um, one um, girl died, and mm-hmm. uh, we had just moved there. And... Um, there was a lawsuit, and it was a family, it was a small town. So the family in the same church that we were in, mm-hmm. and they found my brother not guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, and but my dad and mom, they were suing my parents for everything they owned. Yeah. So because of that, my dad got really, really strict. He put seatbelts in all the cars. You talk yeah. about
0: being he put them uh, in. He you put had them, to have in them installed.
1: Back in those days, seatbelts were not the normal thing. I don't even know that many companies put seatbelts in there. So being a safety type person, he um, put seatbelts in every car after that. You know, in the first couple of years, we didn't use them. You know, my uh-huh. sister talks about the time that we went to Florida and I was on laying on the front seat of the car and dad stopped real fast. I just rolled off and hit the floor, <laughs> you know. But I was Big an infant. Bench seats, yeah, exactly. Even in the front, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so then he put, you know, yeah, seat belts in the car. The car didn't start unless the seat belts were going. Yeah, he was he was a stickler for all that vehicle stuff. So hence my husband is a lot like my dad, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, air in the tires, you know, you went somewhere and good Lord it took you fifteen extra minutes for dad to do the safety check on the car first. So, um yeah, so he he everything that they did for me as far as rules and regulations and raising me stemmed from mistakes my siblings made.
0: <laughs> That's the way to do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yeah. So it's kind of funny, but they had loopholes yeah. because I found them. <laughs> did you think? Do you think you
0: rebelled because of the structure? Did you think you pushed back against the structure? That oh you? yeah, I know yeah. I
1: did. I know I was rebellious. Oh yeah, because of that, mm-hmm. you know. And I never wanted to sit down and talk to my kids. And it's funny because, so when my kids were older, I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk when they wanna li- when they wanna talk. I'm gonna make sure I listen. It was always like eleven o'clock at night. And I would go in to tell them night, you know, and they would start talking. And I was like, okay, scoot over, I'm laying down. So I would lay down with them, and they would just be talking and talking. I was struggling to keep awake, you know. And Bill would come in, what's going on? Is everything okay? <laughs> well, yeah, we're just talking. And I would hear all kinds of stuff, things they were concerned about, things that they, you know, that troubled them that I could maybe help them with. But it was always late at night, so... When your all's kids get older and they want to talk, no matter how busy you are, you got to be ready to listen. That was that was a a biggie for me, a big eye opener, because that's whenever I, you know, heard some stuff that I needed to hear and needed to help them with, you know, whether it was just listening or offering that nagging advice that I'm so good about doing. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
0: So after Eastern. You went to the University of Louisville. I
1: did. While I was at Eastern, um, and I guess when I moved up to Louisville, I had to give up dancing, so I joined the band. I learned to play an instrument, so I played the flute. Nice. Because I don't sing very well. So, um, I played the flute. And so, while I was at Eastern, I was in the band. This is that initiation story I was going to tell you about mm. why, when someone says the word initiation, I go, oh, What's that mean? What do I have to do? You know. So, when you were in the band back in my days and um, you went to high school, you were a freshman, and every year we went to summer band camp. You know, parents paid a lot of money, and we did some fundraising to go to band camp. I don't know what bands do now. I think, like, um, at North Hold'em, where my kids went, their band camp was basically—and my kids were not in the marching band— but their their band camp was basically in the pavement of the parking lot. It's really sad because our band camps were a lot of fun. They were out at— um, a park like kind of Dawson Springs. We went there one year. It sounds
0: like a TV show.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It does, doesn't it? Well, is not it? Isn't Dawson's, it's
0: Dawson's Creek? But it's close. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, Dawson Springs, Dawson's Creek. And then one year we went to Middle Tennessee State University for our two years for so band camp. But Dawson Springs was where I went my freshman year. And when you were a freshman and you went to band camp, it always started before your freshman year. So you had just finished fifth grade or eighth grade, and um all the seniors got to initiate you. And so all week long at band camp, you know, you had to do things for the seniors, whatever they told you. And they called the freshmen maggots. Mm. So it wasn't Susan. Hi, how are you? It was come on maggot, maggot flute player, or maggot piccolo player. I think I yeah, played piccolo in marching band. So, yeah, so we were maggots all week long. We had, you know, whatever duty we had and we stayed in cabins it was very primitive there was one restroom for the girls one restroom for the guys and uh, you had your restroom time and then you had to clean the the um restrooms what they call them la- la- lavatories. lavatories yeah and so um then they had the the big tent where you know you went and did um the mess hall and uh they, you know, it was a lot of fun because it was shaded. It was beautiful. We had to march out to this big field to do our marching practice. But it was. It was a blast because it was like being at camp, at mm-hmm. summer camp, literally. The last day of camp, that was when you got initiated. If you did everything you were supposed to do along with learning all of your music by memory and learning all of the marching thing for the, the year, for the the comp contest And for the football games Then you got initiated And in. so what they did as seniors And then when I became a senior I did this mm-hmm. They raised money And they had all through the, the, the previous year As juniors And then when they became seniors They had all this money They went out and bought food they bought all kinds of nasty food Oatmeal, mustard, and big jars Mayonnaise um, I even have pictures of our senior year Still doing that I should have brought some to show you And um, all this nasty food And they would throw it on you So you knew ahead of time You were getting initiated So mm-hmm. you knew to wear old clothes mm-hmm. um, And so they would throw all this stuff on you And you stunk eggs and everything And that was your initiation And then you know you would go rinse it off And everybody would laugh and everything And if you were somebody they really liked, they threw more stuff at you. Now that doesn't make sense, right?
0: No, it totally makes sense.
1: (laughs) So, you know, if you were somebody they didn't like, then you weren't covered. Yeah. So you made sure. That's almost like a little
0: kindness, a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know.
1: So, oh, it was gross. And you know, I came home and my hair still stunk because of Mm -hmm. all the different stuff. Because once you, they threw the food on you, you had to march around in it. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't just let you go right away. And the teachers didn't get in trouble. Mm -hmm. and the music people didn't get in trouble and the school didn't get in trouble yeah and yeah when an egg hit me it hurt Oh, Yeah, and we were all different colors all different races all different nationalities and it didn't matter yeah and um you know it was that that part was kind of good
0: you know i think it's interesting that you say that because i'm i've worked in schools and so like i'm definitely like aware of like bullying and and the issues that it causes yeah but I'm curious about this because there's something that I've kind of played around with and I think uh I can't remember who exactly it was it was a comedian whom I'm a fan of it might have been Chris Rock who played around with this concept and it may have been Dave Chappelle too but as much as you know hazing is an issue and Mm -hmm. hazing can also be escalated to a level where it gets extremely dangerous it sounds like what you experienced was was a little bit controlled hazing do you feel like that experience built character
1: Oh, yeah. See, it that's definitely the thing. built character. It definitely did. You had to um,
0: persevere through this. I mean, it was because otherwise, like you're saying, Bandcamp would have just been really, really right. fun. I had to
1: persevere through the anxiety all week of knowing that was going to happen, mm-hmm. but also knowing that the people the year before got through it. Mm-hmm. We um, learned how to um, win through adversity. We, yeah. we knew how to handle it. You know, oh my gosh, I'm scared. Me too. Let's hug, hug and go to sleep, you know, the night before. And then, you know, the next day, oh my gosh, you know, um, Beth wants me to to go to the boys camp and steal a pair of underwear or something, you know. So they give you stuff like that too. Stupid stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and then while we were going to do that, then they hung all our underwear in the trees and we had to climb the trees to get it, Mm. you know, stupid things like that. And, and if, you know, if we didn't do it, they climbed the tree, you know. We were, I'm afraid of heights, right? Yeah. So when it got to be doing that, somebody else went and got it for me, you know. So and that's a
0: that's a theme that we've talked about in the podcast before, um, especially with my friends that I worked with at Starbucks. Like through shared suffering and through mm-hmm. shared negative experiences, you you're able to build stronger bonds, right? So like that was, I imagine, because like I've I've played around with that idea in my mind a lot because I like I was saying earlier, I definitely understand how bullying and hazing can mm-hmm. be negative and, mm-hmm. how, and how it can have a really uh, negative impact. But in a, if you are a person who's experiencing these things and you have the right state of mind and you, and you understand why you're doing it, it can build the bonds that you have with the other people who are you're, you're in the band with, who have that shared experience. Right, right. You're buying um, your way into this group. And then once you do that, you're now a full-fledged exactly. member and you, and, you, and you gain all of these privileges that you exactly. wouldn't have otherwise had. So, like, while I definitely don't think bullying is good, I see how something very benign, like having mustard and oatmeal poured on your head and then you're forced to, Mm -hmm. like, walk around and make a fool of yourself in front of all these other people can actually be a really positive experience that a person like yourself can then reminisce on very positively.
1: Right, right. So, it's
0: really, it's a really interesting thing. Um, In the stand-up I was talking about earlier, he was like, we need bullies. (laughs) <laughs> because if you don't have bullies, everybody just grows up to be a right. bitch. Right. And then we don't, that's, not, that's the last thing that we need.
1: Well, and, you know, when my kids are getting bullied, they're you know, like I would tell them, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there and all you can think about is, you know, what they're doing to me. Well, its it's not about you. It's about them. Just stop and think. If you don't feed into the reaction they want from you. Then they're going to stop, and they're going to move on to somebody else or something else that they will get a reaction from. They're jealous of you most of the time. That's what it is. They're jealous of something about you, or it's something that you have that they want. Or, you know, it's something that they like about you and they think if they bully you enough, they can get it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, but it's really not about you. It's about them. They're they're not dealing with something right. And if you will just ignore it, most of the time it will go away. Now, one time with my son, um, that did not happen. And we did have to intervene.
0: Because the bullying got super bad. And,
1: and, um, and his friends. And, and it worked. It was great. It was you know uh, a phone call behind and this might happen because we're hearing this something but the key to that was we listened to him Mm -hmm. and we didn't judge and we didn't fix it for him until it got to the point where it's going to be dangerous for someone else gotcha
0: and you knew that he wasn't going to be able to do it himself
1: exactly
0: and that what you're teaching your your child to do in that moment is you're teaching them how to respond to adversity right
1: right and there A couple other times That both of my kids Had things happen to them That I watched It was really Really hard to watch Um, And even not Just in school You know An instance With my daughter And it was really Really hard to watch And I wanted to To do something about it But I knew I shouldn't And she didn't want me to Or he didn't want me to And so I had to watch Until you know And just Prayed a lot. I'm, you know, I'm a big believer, and you know, thank, thank God, you know, Jesus is in my life because I'm a big prayer too, and and I really, really have relied on that to get me through things and to get other people through things. And fortunately, you know, it happened, but it's really hard to watch. Um, but you know, I think because you don't intervene. They figure it out, mm-hmm. and then they become stronger people. And then it helps them in the future to realize things they want to stay away from, or realize things they don't want to become, or realize things that they may be able to help other people with in the future.
0: And then when they find themselves in situations where they're experiencing that diverse, or excuse me, that adversity again, um, they have the ability to say, "I've been here before, right. and I remember how I handled it then." Right. And and I'm here now, which means right. everything's, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Yeah. So that's how I should do it again.
1: Yes. And, you know, growing up, that was the that was the good thing. I remember hearing stories about my dad. And, you know, uh, I think uh, when in the olden days, you know, people relied on their kids to do a lot more and mm. expected a lot more out of them when they were younger. I remember he told the story one time, Al. He was living, and I don't know why, for a while he had to live with um his aunt and uncle in Paris, Kentucky, the Lynx, and um, he had to live there with them for a while. And I don't really know why. I don't know what happened, but he loved living with them, you know. And uh, and somebody needed to go get Uncle So and So, who was drunk at somebody's lady's house and my dad said, "I'll do it." And he jumped bareback on a horse and rode over and got him and threw him on top of the horse and rode him back, you know? And I'm like, "You know, he was a teenager if if that old." And and you know, would I have ever asked my kids to do something like that? No. Right. And nowadays would anybody ever ask? No, heavens no, it's too dangerous. So, you know, it's kind of funny because I think they expected so much more out of their kids, and then we expected stuff out of our kids, and I'm afraid every generation, what they expect out of their children gets less and less, and the parents think that they are expected to fix stuff, and then the parents get too involved, and it creates a problem, and I could have very easily been one of those parents, and they, my kids will probably say I was too involved at times, and I probably was, Cause I just loved hanging around him, I still do. But um, I could have been um, that person that was
0: super, super a helicopter over- parent, oh, as they say.
1: Oh, big time! And I was sometimes. We yeah, helicopter parent, yeah. overreactive, overprotective, over everything. Um, but whenever William went to first grade, um, his angel of a teacher. Uh, Saw That we were headed that direction and uh, she said you know I've got this parenting class that I just think you would love and so I would love for you and your husband to join okay so um, we did and we got there and we're like oh they, they picked us. They picked us for a reason. We looked at all the other parents that were there, and sure enough, you know, it was a class that she gave that saw that we were all on the wrong track, and she did it after hours free of charge for the, out of the goodness of her heart. She's also one of these ladies that writes Christian curriculum and all that stuff, and it wasn't Christian-based, mm. but that's why she did it. And, um, and it basically was you know really good at, at teaching us that there's sometimes we need to back off and more hands quit off. fixing things and quit thinking everything has to be perfect and let let them live life and grow mm-hmm. and that was really hard to do that was that was funny
0: so you went to <clears throat>
1: i went from eastern to UofL. yeah back to, to, to play that. flute I played flute And were you in the band uh, in college? I was in the band in college, yeah. Okay. See
0: I did I did so usually I do research. Yeah, but you usually I agree I didn't I didn't do any.
1: Well, you know, Eastern I didn't graduate in the top of my class like you guys did in your (sighs) classes at school. Well well, my GPA wasn't too high either at, at Eastern High School, but I did get in L, and um, I went with my smart friends. Uh, one of my good, good friends who has just very dear to me and uh, met her in fourth grade and we're still best friends. Mm. But um, so she and another girl. It was in my wedding, um, Nancy and Joni. So they were going to start, like, the summer, right after we got out of school. They were going to start in summer school. And I was like, okay, if you're going to do it, I'll do it. And um, so we took an English class. I flunked it. <laughs> Because it was summer school I didn't want to go to school and you know take English But they were doing that to get ahead Because Joan went to nursing school And um, Nancy got a psychology major But um, they were doing that So that their first semester They didn't have to make take more than 12 hours So anyway, I got stuck taking more than 12 hours Because they all passed it And I flunked it but um, so that was my first experience, and that was the last semester that U of L was a private college. Did you know they were a private school? I didn't know they that, were no. a private school, and that was the last semester. So my dad paid out the wazoo for that one class, three semester <laughs> hours. I think cost as much as my first semester did. I think I paid two hundred and thirty dollars for my first twelve 12-hour semester at U of L as a uh, university. Um,
0: I, I was about to ask you, do you know how much that yeah, is now? Was, but you definitely know because yeah. you paid for your children to yeah, go there. But, yeah, but it's so crazy, crazy different expensive.
1: Now. Oh yeah, it I is think crazy. A semester different. now
0: was like something like almost eight grand.
1: Yeah, and and my dad paid two thirty-five. I think that's what what it was. Two thirty-five. So um, so yeah, I went to U I had a number of majors. I think I started off. Well, the the funny thing was is I was. Started off, I wanted to get in dental hygiene school, mm-hmm. and I tried to get in UK, and I got accepted at UK, and my dad took off work to take me up there to look for housing because um, there was no dorm left. Mm. And so we were looking at apartments, and he found an apartment for me, and um, I was going to have to take this bus to get there and this bus to get there, and we were getting ready to rent it. And he said, told the person, let's let's wait 24 hours. That was kind of his thing. Let's wait 24 hours before you buy anything, 24 hours before you make any decision, 24 hours. It's like, I don't know how I became an oops child, because I, I'm sure he had to wait 24 hours. <laughs> Because that was always his thing. You know, if you're going to talk to somebody, if you have an argument, you wait 24 hours before you do it. That's if you're, a smart rule. If you're going to, yeah, if you're going to. And the funny thing is, I didn't hear that rule from anybody else until I met William's soccer coach. Mm. And he also had that rule, which was very interesting.
0: I, I have a rule like, if you're going to buy something that costs more than $500, you have to wait five years before you do it.
1: Oh, well, that's really hard. <laughs> it's just, you haven't it, changed it, that rule yet? What
0: that actually is is like, oh my God, should I spend this money?
1: <laughs> yeah, because nowadays I think of how many times that um, Bill or I have spent $500. I don't know who that more. is. <laughs> Good. I don't know who that is. Of my mouth. Anyway, so. I didn't. After waiting twenty four hours, I said I can't go live in an apartment all by myself and go to UK. It's too big. I can't do it. So that's why I went to U of L, and he was like, "Fine, no problem." So went to U of L, flunked that first class, had all kinds of majors. I started off just gen ed, didn't know what I wanted. Then I started off um, accounting. Well, that was a joke. After taking my first accounting class, I started off a um, change to. Uh, Dental, high, dental, um, no uh, nutrition. Mm. That's what it was. So they moved their um, or did away with their nutrition or their dietitian thing. You had to go to Sullivan that that year, and and they didn't know if they were going to get it back or not. And now they have a really good program. I changed my major. I don't know how many times, and finally um, after meeting Bill and stuff, you know, I, I settled down. Yeah, who? But um but anyway, my second year at U of L after being lost the first year and not really finding a niche, finding a group of people that I liked, finding um, you know, I met a few friends but not a lot. Um, I lived at home in the spring semester or first semester and then when it got bad and the weather got bad in the winter I moved to the dorm so that's how I did my college because my dad did not want me to drive mm-hmm. from Middletown so first semester I was at home second semester I moved in the dorm and that was a lot of fun I didn't make very good grades mm-hmm. the uh, floor that I lived on was a blast it was about Miller Hall it was a second floor of Miller Hall we had the most fun at night having dance parties out in our um, hallway. We had a blast. Loved those girls. Loved, you know, my roommate at the time. Um, it was it was a great time. But um, then I came home for the summer, went to work, and, and you know, it was no fun. So my second year, um, I decided to go out for a rush for a sorority because I wanted some friends. Uh, probably half of those girls that I met at Miller Hall didn't go back to school cuz oh, we really? all yeah, cuz we all didn't make very good grades. I did not flunk out, but my GPA was really low. And uh, that second semester, but my first semester was good, so after flunking that summer semester, so it kind of balanced out, right? Mm-hmm. First semester okay, living at home, boring. Second semester, parties in the dorm room and um you know, not necessarily yeah. going to class at all. Right, morning. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, and that was my problem. I didn't always go to class. Um, So then I decided to go out for sorority rush and um, got accepted by Kappa Delta.
0: Ooh, I don't know what that means. So,
1: well, it was just basically you went to the parties and you sat down and talked to all these different people and they decided if they thought they would fit in your... Um, Sorority or not or whatever, and the the one that all the kids that I graduated with from Eastern High School didn't want me because I was not you know I was a band fag, and I was not popular like the cheerleaders. Is that what the they popular, called you? Yeah,
0: That's yeah, so mean.
1: You know, from maggot to band fag. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't. Yeah, band Jeez. fags. Yeah, that's what we were all band fags. So, um, and at that first semester, I did not join the band. Um, but their sec- first year, second year, I joined U of L's band, um, or second semester, pet band. That's what I joined, second semester, because they didn't have a marching band the first year I was there. Second semester, joined the pet band, which was a blast. Got to travel with the, the, basketball team
0: oh that's cool yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah playing
1: my little piccolo got in of course back then we got in all the basketball games free if you were a student you just showed them your pass and you got to go to anything free that's cool any football game any basketball game so it was really hard for bill and i when we had to start paying after we were alumni to uh go to any games you because, keep saying this
0: name i don't know who this uh, person. yeah
1: i know yeah i don't know who
0: this person is I don't either
1: but you will because it was that second year in college that I met him. Oh, really? And um, after I became a Kappa Delta initiation, there you go, you got a big sister. Oh, and, cool. um And I love my big sister. She was in a um, wedding. And uh, then you got to do things, and, and they gave you a paddle. And they alluded to that you had. To, they decorated the paddle for you, and the, they would send little presents, and you had to do silly, stupid things, and um, it's you kinda never like had band to, camp. yeah, kind of like band camp, only not as bad. Really, and but they alluded to the fact that it might be, but it wasn't. Initiation was ab- absolutely a beautiful ceremony. And um, and it was really nice, and you know, it wasn't bad at all. Not anything like fraternity initiations. That's what I'm guessing, and maybe what they are today. But it wasn't bad at all. It's just mm-hmm. really stupid things, you know, like you've got to give your big sister gum every Thursday or something. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was just silly. Just to things. see if you could hang. Just see really, if you yeah. could do it. Is and, this
0: person and, consistent? And it, yeah. Is, is this person going to do what they say they're going to do exactly. or no? Yeah. And
1: the, the as pledges, what we had to do um, was Wednesday night were meeting nights, and so. We Wednesday night, the pledges cooked dinner for everybody. So while the um, members were having their meeting up on the third floor of an old house down on Old 3rd Street, it's no longer the Kappa Delta house. It's some other fraternity, but it used to be big front porch, steps going up the front porch, you know, across from that statue that's no longer there. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's,
0: that's, that's still where the fraternity row is, yes, though. Yeah. Yes,
1: it is. But Kappa Delta is not there anymore. Oh, really? Um, There's somewhere else. But um, so, yeah, we would cook dinner. And, um, and it was a blast Because we all got to know each other It was supposed to be a punishment I guess You had to go over there and cook dinner And we had to go to the grocery store together We had to plan meals for 35 girls That mm. was all that was in there But we had to plan meals for 35 girls And um, you know we relied on our moms and, and I'm like well my mom Never bought chicken parts She always bought the whole chicken We had to cut it up And then we had to do education for them So um. That had to do with food, you know, little little things like that, which that was right up my alley. So one night, I taught everybody how to cut up a chicken, you know, and brought the bird out. On that, you know, cut it all up. So that was that was really fun. So anyway, we would we would cook dinner together, you know, th- all those things that they consider to be community rough and building. bad, it was community building. It was, you know, it was maybe part of an initiation, mm-hmm. but it wasn't mean, and it was purposeful. Mm-hmm. We got a nice dinner out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took time. I had to plan, you know, we had to plan meals. there were maybe only six or eight of us that were, in, I can't remember how many were in my class, totally my initiation class, not a lot. But we learned to work together, we um you know, learned time management, we learned about money, we learned about, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so, yeah, it was, you know, part of initiation, but it was a good thing. Yeah. So anyway, we um we joined the sorority. So another part of our initiation is we had to do certain tasks. Well, for one of them, we had to change all the light bulbs in the the, that were out in the Delta house. Oh my gosh these ceilings are nine foot ceilings how are we going to do this? Let's run next door to the Sigma Phi Epsilon house and get some guys to help us. Uh, yeah that they'll have a ladder okay so three of us go next door If they don't
0: they'll just they, they're all getting on their hands and knees and climb on each other's yeah. back so And <laughs> a bunch of girls come ask them to <laughs> change right. some light bulbs.
1: So let's go next door. So hence these three good looking guys are next door we need some help please changing light bulbs. Would you please come help well i guess so they're engineers
0: Ah, uh, yes yeah, so they were <laughs> well, they're terrified
1: yeah guys I, guys, I, I, guys God, I guess so there's girls yeah exactly <laughs> what are we supposed yeah. to do I don't know what to do. Grab the ladder. They want okay. us to change a light bulb. <laughs> Grab the ladder. Should we build one? Should we make one from oh, scratch? Oh gosh. <laughs> one of them was tall, dark, and handsome, which was right up my alley. Oh mm. my gosh. What dark to him? head of hair, six foot tall. I don't know what I've been doing. Oh my gosh. He was so good looking and just still is. Nice teeth, you know, it's one of the things I look at people's teeth so um, nice teeth so yeah you know so we get him and he gets his gnarly looking friend and um, and they come over and they change the light bulbs so we're trying to talk to him and everything and we're trying to find more lights that are out you know gosh go check the other room no you go check it Somebody I'm going to stay here and look at all dark that. and handsome you know um, so yeah I unscrewed some over there so he can take those out and put new ones in okay so we kept him over there as long as we could and everything and so hence it became a game because we all wanted a date to homecoming
0: Ah. and back then
1: you had to get a date right so um so after they were done we said goodbye we you know got their name but that was it darn how are we gonna meet this guy none of us had cell phones right right nobody had internet you know i grew up in the era of the world book encyclopedias Mm -hmm. um so how are we gonna meet this guy are we gonna see these people again well um, you know, before classes, we would be hanging out at the Kappa Delta house and I would just sit on the front porch and watch. Mm-hmm. And I realized, ah, oh, every Tuesday and Thursday at such and such time, he's coming between the Speeds Museum and that building over there. So I'm leaving to go to a class. Well, I can go the long way. Yeah. <laughs> and who cares if I'm late? Right. So, um. You might not even go in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Shh. Don't tell anybody that. So... um
0: You already told everybody
1: that. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm not the best student. My daughter did not take after me. Neither did my son. He always went to class. But um, so, yeah, so I would manage to run across Third Street and then quick breathing heavy, and straightening my hair and, you know, make sure everything looked good. And I was dressed cute and uh, happened to, oh, hi, didn't I meet you at the SIGEP? You're a SIGEP, yeah, hi, you know, and stand there and talk to him and ask him all kinds of questions. And so I did that for several days, you know, and I'm sure... He probably wondered, why is this girl showing up at the same time every day, you know? And I didn't tell my other two friends who were also looking for him on campus. Mm. I did not tell them what I was doing. And so um, finally, you know, we got to talking. And um, my big sister hinted around to Yamin, his friend at the Segep House, that Susan would really like a date to um, to go to... The homecoming and so finally he asked for my number and you know i don't remember if he got it from me or diane or yamin but it was a home phone number so finally i got the phone call and mm. he asked me to go to to homecoming and um you know he said i'll pick you up what time should i pick you up and i said well i'm in the band so i have to go early um marching band so can you pick me up at noon And here's my address. Um, Never met my parents or didn't know where I lived. And he lived in Hikes Point. He was living at home and going to school. And I lived in Middletown. So he said, sure, I'll see you Saturday, October 13th at 12 noon. And I said, okay. And didn't talk to him. And the anticipation of that date was awesome. Yeah, You all miss out on that. Yeah, All you young people, you need to do that sometime just for fun. Ask your girlfriend or your spouse or your uh, significant other or um, man, woman, whoever it is. Just ask them on a date sometime. Don't tell them what you're going to do. And just schedule a time you're going to pick them up and then don't talk about it. Mm. The anticipation is so much fun. Yeah. And, um, and I, you all miss out on that And I had to trust I had to trust he was going to be there Yeah. And I had to, you know, for, for at least a week I'm sure you asked me a week ahead of time And um and it was great You know, talk about it with the girls What are you going to wear? And I don't know what you... So it was a lot of fun And do you think he's going to get you a, a, a mum? Because back then you got a mum for homecoming And oh. it had an L on it And everybody wore these ugly mums uh, Right up here on okay. your chest A uh, big white I mean big white mum like bigger than your hand yeah, yeah, yeah. like the palm of your hand and what
0: was the L made out of? L was
1: made out of um, a black pipe cleaner oh
0: okay, okay. that makes sense and then it had a yeah, yeah, yeah. red
1: and black ribbon and so you would put that on, um, so uh, on your dress. And if you had a strapless dress, well, good luck finding mm-hmm. a place to put it, right? So, um, so is he going to get you a mom? Well, I guess I should get him a boutonniere. So I would get him a boutonniere too. So he had no idea what he was in for because mm. um, we. We're going to have dinner with our sorority and fraternity friends. He had to organize that. I didn't know where we were going or anything. And then um, he had to pay for the tickets. And um, I just had to get the dress and get all dolled up and everything. But I also was in the band. So I we had planned that, you know, we would leave from the sorority house. So I had, when he picked me up at noon, I had to bring my clothes to change in. And I had to go in my, like, shorts I had to bring my um, uh, band uniform, which Phyllis George Brown, who was the... um Governor's wife at the time and really into horses picked our uniform because for years U did not have a marching band oh. and this was the first year that they decided to have a marching band again. So it was really rough. So we wore white pants that looked like jockey pants. Okay, they came down to your right below your knee and they were poofy at the hip, oh, like at the like th- a upper pirate. thigh. Yes, yeah, and they poofed out and they were white, which was horrible. Oh, okay, I know
0: what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: then we wore red coats with long tails in the back, ugly and big, huge poofy helmets, like big, they were black, fuzzy, and they were like probably six inches from the top of your head that were up and they had a strap that went underneath their chin kind of like you would see in england so you look like like a jockey it's like a jockey with a guards hat from england so it was really weird yeah oh we were ridiculous there's a picture of it on my facebook because my friend found it well now Um, we're gonna have to post it on
0: (laughs) i mean the people (laughs) are gonna want to see
1: yeah and so you know marching band that first year was a real joke i could tell you all kinds of stories about that so anyway he so Luckily, I had a piccolo and not a tuba. (laughs) So he had to pick me up with my long dress, my uniform, and my makeup, and my blow dryer, and my curling iron, and my instrument, and my shoes. Two different pair of shoes. My marching boots, because we had the boots that we wore, too. Mm -hmm. And um, so I looked like I was packing up for a weekend. You know, mm-hmm. To go somewhere And I forgot the boutonniere uh. Didn't even think about it So he picks me up And plus I for some reason had my girlfriend's Helmet, big hat in the car As well so he picks me up Bless his heart, didn't say a word Can you help me carry some stuff to the car Well sure I can, met my parents Hello I'm you know so and so Mr. and Mrs. Cassidy And yeah I met them and everything was real gracious to them Then we get in the car Is 65 Mustang is loaded with all my Crap, and he's probably wondering right there, what have I got myself into? You know, first date, and uh, she's like going for the weekend, <laughs> so um, we drive down to U of L, and all of a sudden, passing us on Third Street, right by that statue that's no longer there on Confederate Place or U of L, is my dad, and he waves, Oh, there's my dad. <laughs> I don't know how he got down there so fast, but he did. And he, whenever realized I forgot the boutonniere, jumped in the car and flew down there and drove and dropped the boutonniere off at the sorority house. How nice. And oh, I uh, so when I walked in the Swarty house and my girlfriend there said, your dad dropped off the near. I was like, oh, thank you. So um, dropped all my stuff off at the Swarty house. Then he had to take me to the fairgrounds and sit and watch while we practiced. So the band had to practice marching, and um, which was a lot of fun because uh, the guy that did not ask me to the homecoming that I was sort of seeing was also in the band. And so my girlfriends being who they were, hey, Susan, from afar, the, across the field with him in the middle um is that your date for homecoming sitting in the stand that tall dark and handsome guy well yes nancy it is <laughs> so that was so much fun
0: i imagine <laughs>
1: little mean girl thing going on there yeah, yeah. <laughs> imagine the
0: amount of effort that you had to put <laughs> Into getting prepared. Oh. In my mind, that is a trait that your now husband would find very attractive. Oh. Look how prepared she is <laughs> for this.
1: Then maybe that's what he thought. <laughs> I never thought about that. You're right.
0: Cause I cause, cause I'll, let me tell you a story because it's very funny, because last summer I went out on a boat two different occasions. Yeah. Once with you. Oh yeah. And yeah. and once with my family. Yeah. And those two tales could not be more different. Oh, They could not be more different.
1: Gosh, we drove you nuts. No, we? it was wonderful.
0: <laughs> I was like, they have yeah. everything they need. They've, and then some they've thought of everything oh, nothing's gonna Literally. go wrong. we're not gonna we're not running out of gas uh, nobody's got a flat tire no, we haven't no. no police officers have pulled us no, over and nothing no. bad has happened no. it was yeah. wonderful I was like this so this is this is why people enjoy going out on boats <laughs> it makes sense
1: well that's only because we've experienced the stuff mm. I mean and, and a lot of times when we tell our kids stuff it's because we've been through it mm-hmm. you know we, we're telling you because we're trying to eliminate you know, something you have to go through. But as I recently learned about my daughter, sometimes you just have to let him go through it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so yeah, so that, that maybe that's, you're right. He thought I was super prepared. Exactly. So then while he's sitting in the stands and it was really hot that day. Um, even for October, you know, and, and we're down there supposedly practicing, goofing off, saying stuff like that. I'm sure the band director was going nuts because we were talking most of the time when we were on the field, we were talking half the time anyway. And, um, So then we got done and we... Went back to the sorority house, and the, the a funny, awkward thing was he dropped me off, and and okay, dinner is going to be three or four hours from now, and that was it. He dropped me off, and he went to the fraternity house, and I hung it at the sorority house, and you know, talked with the girls, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and got ready. So, what's he like? Was it fun? You know, well, well, no, he we just dropped. You know, he we didn't have a, say a single exactly, word the whole time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, and I'm sure he was over there shooting pool, drinking beer, because that's what they did. You know. Mm-hmm. The, from their beer machine. but um, and so Is that then, a beer machine? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, a, like a Coke are, machine. But I, it, w- I wish he would do one of these with you because, exactly, it was like a Coke machine, only they changed it and they would put beer in it.
0: Yeah, that's smart. And, uh, he Did also, you have to pay for it or could you just push a button? And, I
1: think you just push a button yeah, so that's you didn't smart. have to pay. Yeah. And they uh, all paid for it. And uh, he also built the bar. Down there. Oh, really? And it's funny because when my son went to UofL, because he went to UofL, Sarah went to Bellerman. When he went to UofL, um, he would go to some of those parties. He mm-hmm. never joined, ne- not, they were not into this Greek thing, neither were my kids, which was a good thing because it changed. Yeah. Um, but he would go to the parties and he would tell people there, My dad built that. That's and then cool. he'd ask, you know. And so we've had other people come up to my husband um, and say, Oh, you know, I heard you, you, you know, that were like William's age and younger, mm-hmm. you know. So it's still down there.
0: No, but, cool. And they
1: still had that house. K- KDs don't have that that. House anymore, but the Up still has that old house. But anyway, so it was it was a grand time. And then, um, you know, we he, we went to dinner, and uh, it was really funny because we went to a restaurant where one of my sorority sisters um, worked, and she was um, working that night and serving, and she wouldn't serve us alcohol because we were all twenty,
0: oh. and so
1: no alcohol. But that was okay. And then because um, we had it later, and then um, <laughs> and then after dinner, you know, we went to the football game. And watched the football game, and then after that, we went back and changed our clothes again because we just wore our, you know, I was in my uniform, right? And then at um, dinner, at not dinner, okay, but I had to go back and change my clothes, and then go to the, and then we went back and changed our clothes again to go to the dance. It was crazy,
0: wow, crazy,
1: crazy. So anyway, um, so it was a good time. And driving home after the dance, I, and the dance was at Bellerman. Knight's Hall at Bellarmine. That's it was crazy. Strange. That strange. They rented it out from What's Knight's Hall at Bellarmine. What's the
0: name of that? that like uh, the Red Barn? They Did, did yeah. they not have that then?
1: They didn't. They had the Red Barn, but they needed a bigger facility. Oh, uh, to be bigger so than Knights that. So Knight's Hall was bigger and nicer. They decorated it gotcha. and stuff. So then after that, we drove home, and I fell asleep on the way home. The conversation was great, I'm sure, but he learned right off the bat that I can't stay awake at night, and <laughs> and especially not in a car. When I'm in a car, I just the the motion. I was just taught at an early age. I always fell asleep in the car. Mm-hmm. Me too. So, the, me too. are you like that? Yeah, okay. for well, sure. That's good to know. So if we ever go on a trip together, you and I'll just be napping, that's, and Sarah and Bill will be talking. Yeah. So I do. I fall asleep all the time. So. um I fell asleep on the way home and he woke me up, didn't even get a good night kiss and uh, went inside. It's probably one in the morning, you know, 13 hour date on October the 13th. And fortunately, he asked me out again, but it did take, you know, a couple weeks. And uh, and, you know, like I say, no texting, no mm-hmm. cell phones. So we waited by that house phone. No, no recorder. You oh know, yeah, not even yeah, that. not yeah. even a recorder. So, um, so he did call me, and the second night we went um, pizza and bowling. Second date, nice. So two weeks later, but that's a great um, date. That's yeah, a good date. Was, in between homecoming, we had a the canoe regatta, and uh, so ran into him at the canoe regatta. Of course, I made sure where is he, where is he? You know, and uh, went. Uh, he was rowing for his fraternity. I was rowing for the sorority. Oh, and, really? That's cool. Uh, yeah, oh, it was that's cool. cool.
0: Yeah. I imagine I imagine cuz I know your husband mm-hmm. and I just imagine you falling asleep they're just being this extreme sense of like <sighs> Yeah
1: you're right. He's probably going thank god she shut up
0: <laughs> No not that
1: I can have a little peace
0: <laughs> Nothing I can do right now <laughs> she, she won't notice uh, anything uh, awkward that I do from this point
1: <laughs> on <laughs> Oh gosh yeah that's uh, yeah. so funny so yeah and it's and it's really funny because like, um, Sarah with you, she knew. Pretty close off the bat I'm sure she was Very serious with you And she really You know I remember her Telling somebody On the phone That she i got to Met this guy I really like And we were shopping One time And she was on her Cell phone And and I was like Oh this is serious um, And she'd only been On a few dates With you But she was already Telling somebody She really liked you And and, I, and that's how I felt about Bill You know by January I was madly in love With him And you know From October to January And I knew We would get him Married eventually you know, it was just um, between. Took four years, but um, but yeah, and and then I finally. Even though I had a blast being in the U band and uh, going on all those trips, we got to go to the NCAA that they won oh, in nineteen eighty, cool. and
0: you know, oh, that's that was cool. a
1: blast! You know, Daryl Griffith uh, would uh, we got to hang out with all the basketball players and stuff, and, and uh, Daryl Griffith would show up on my dorm floor at Miller Hall uh, middle of the night. You know, we only had one bathroom, and you'd back then all girls' dorm. Mm -hmm. Girls were on the left Boys were on the right Mm -hmm. You didn't have visiting hours Boys were just flat out not allowed Mm -hmm. So we snuck them in Of course And then they had to use the restroom And we used the restroom So in the middle of the night You knew to wear your robe to the bathroom And because you never knew What boys were going to be on How many times I walked out of the the potty And there was Daryl Griffiths sitting there You know (laughs) And uh, yeah So so it was a lot of fun So when my son goes to L. Um, co-ed dorms? Yeah. Oh, they just took the fun out of sneaking the girl or the guy up to the dorm. They just took the fun out of it for you all. (laughs) That actually makes sense, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, The the next obvious thing for us to talk about is probably Sarah, because that's the thing that you and I have in common most.
1: Gosh, I could talk about her all day.
0: I imagine you could. (laughs) I imagine you could. And that's kind of one of the things we were just talking about is funny is because it has not been a challenge at all to get you to talk, but... (laughs) But getting Sarah to talk—did
1: you think it was going to be? A I didn't
0: know. I, she told me it wasn't going to be.
1: <laughs> See, she knows me. And
0: so, but with her, it was like—I'm telling you—it was like pulling teeth try yeah. to get her to to tell a story. But she's very matter of fact, and she's just uh, she's not verbose, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, do you think she gets that from he who shall not be named? Yes,
1: very much yeah. so. Oh, yes, oh yes. Growing up, she was like that. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, after finally getting through U L and just going to the counselor and going, look, I just want to get out of school and get married, so tell me something I can do. And I went to, there's a dental assisting program, you can do that. So I went through that for a year and um, got married. Five years later, we decided to have children. Mm-hmm. Everybody kept saying, do you all know what you're doing? you know how to have kids? <laughs> you know, and him being the only boy and yeah. wanting a boy. So then we had um, one miscarriage, and then the boy, and then Sarah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're two and a half years apart. And um, I was so sick with the first child that Bill really had to talk me into having the second one. Really? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he worked. Bill worked a lot. So... Um, You know, uh, I'm so glad he did. Um, You know, just I knew I was going to be sick again. I wasn't as sick as the first time, Mm -hmm. but it's just how how I was being pregnant. And, um, you know, he... Would come home to help, and you know, so just so glad I did because I think it's really important for kids to have siblings, unless you know, there's unless there's a medical or a financial or some issue that you can't have two. Think, don't you think you're a sibling? You know, it's really important to have a sister or a brother. Don't you learn a lot?
0: Yeah, I, th- you, I think you do learn a lot of lessons. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because, and this might this might be true about uh, Sarah and Will also, but my sister and I were were so extremely different yeah I mean like night yeah. and day we, we aren't I
1: see that <laughs> we're
0: very very different from one another mm-hmm. and so um growing up uh she was always much more outgoing she was always much more confident I was always, always mm. much more reserved and anxious and so in a lot of ways I feel like I actually kind of um I, I wanted her attention much yeah. more than she wanted my attention yeah and I would get it in like stupid ways I'd pick on her and yeah. then she'd beat me up yeah, she was so vicious. She had to be because I was so much bigger than her. Yeah, but she would yeah. bite me and claw me. She, I would yeah, she always tiny. bleed.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um,
0: but she's tough, man. She's scrappy. Uh, but yeah, so we're so much different than one another that we didn't really spend a whole lot of time with each other at all. Yeah. And, and, but now, I mean, like, we're pretty good friends. Yeah. Adulthood will do that. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's I think so too. And you all live close to one another. We do, I think yeah. that helps too. Yeah. I think it does. And you're both day shifts, or she's not even working full time now, is she? Part time, so that's
0: nice. She's kind of like it's PRN, sort of like she 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 schedules like certain days that she has to visit people mm-hmm. in their home.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. And then her photography. I yeah. uh, was showing her pictures that she took of my son and his wife, mm-hmm. and people were just oohing and on over those. So I yeah. uh, was just showing those at work the other day. I told them she took those pictures and stuff. So I feel feel like that's going to boom for her one day.
0: She has a great aesthetic.
1: Yeah. And, oh yeah. It's something- my kids actually got to take a photography class in school.
0: Yeah, Sarah told me which, about yeah, that actually, yeah. which is
1: which was kind of neat that they they got to do that. Yeah, um, and you know, and she was really into it for a little while, and then I, I guess we still have her camera. I don't know. Bill mm-hmm. probably still has it somewhere, but um, but anyway, yeah, my daughter. So she, I was thirty five when I had her. Uh, which is, you know, just perfect. That was my mom was 35 when she had me, the youngest. So it's kind of funny. But um, she was always kind of a very um, outgoing kid as far as uh, had felt like she had to work to compete with her brother, mm-hmm. you know. So you were working to get your sister's attention. She was working to get her brother's attention, yeah. I think, a lot of times. And, um, uh growing up was was great you know he was always very entertaining to her (laughs) she would be laughing all the time and uh you know but she's also pretty headstrong i remember the first temper tantrum she ever had at 18 months and i would let her help me get the clean dishes out of the dishwasher but not mess with the dirty ones Mm -hmm. and um we were doing the dishes one day because um, unfortunately i was a stay-at-home mom uh which was was great to be able to do that i didn't make enough whenever I had the first child to to go back to school I mean go back to work and pay daycare I was like this is ridiculous I don't make enough money and all I'm doing is preparing the diaper bag for the next day it was no fun so you know you just learn to adjust and you realize that um, money isn't everything Mm -hmm. and so you know I stayed at home with the second one and the first one so in that first temper tantrum we moved from room to room to room. And I knew right then she was a pretty headstrong, determined little girl. She, you know, because the first one didn't do any of that. Yeah. And uh, every time she'd throw a temper tantrum instead of yelling at her or whatever, anything, I would just get up and move to the next room and pretend to do something like I'd pick up a magazine, totally ignore her. And then I would hear it and it would stop. And she'd come running into the next room and then she'd look at me. And lay down and start throwing a temper tantrum again. <laughs> it was, it was kind of comical. So then I'd get up in the next room, go in the next room and pretend to dust or whatever. And she'd start stop crying. And then she'd get up and, you know, come in that room and start again. And finally, um, we got to the third or the fourth room. And, I, and she walked in there and I said, you know, I would like to play a game. You know, don't you think it'd be fun to play a game? And she went, yeah. You know, and so we did something fun and uh, she finally stopped and I don't even know if she realized why she was so angry, you know, but it was at 18 months. I'll never forget that. And I knew she is pretty headstrong and determined little little girl, which was a good thing. I was glad she was like that
0: when I'm picking on Sarah, uh, which is my favorite thing to do. um, I can tell that she enjoys it. But I to a point, yeah. But she'll also, uh, when I do eventually finally like get on her nerves, um, she'll switch into this little mode. And the, the problem is, and it drives her nuts, I'm certain. But when she does this, <laughs> it's becomes very, very easy for me to imagine her behaving in that exact yeah, same way as a, as a tiny little kid. <laughs> and that's adorable in my head, and it just <laughs> makes me laugh. And she'll stomp her little skinny foot. Bah. She'll cross her little arms.
1: Yeah, get mad. And
0: she'll get mad. And it's just like, you're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. And then that makes her even more mad. She's like, why are you laughing at this? I'm like, because that is super cute.
1: She used to hate when she was a kid. She used to hate when people laughed at her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when little kids do things that are cute, you automatically laugh. Oh, she hated it. I mean, hated it. And I think, you know, she was just very self conscious and Mm -hmm. just didn't understand and she's very much wanting to understand things you know yeah. and and you know very black and white mm. you know and and uh, she would She would hate that. She would get so mad when people would laugh at her. Why are they laughing at me? You know, I don't know if she remembers that or not. But as a little kid, she hated it when people laughed at her. Whereas some kids, they see people laughing and they keep going and they keep doing things. She was also very legalistic. So when we were growing up, we would have parties at our house and she would come in and she'd get like birthday parties. She'd get so mad they're not playing the game right, you know. Well, my kids were like that, very legalistic, and, well, that's okay, they're playing, you know, you have to roll with it, and you have to, you know, so I'm, I'm, I think some of that comes from their father. Um, I just learned to be very flexible, and um, I think having kids did that for me, and then whenever I became a Bible Study Fellowship children's leader that also taught me to be very flexible. You know, you have this much time to do this and that's enough. If it's not perfect, it wasn't meant to be. Move on. Just move on. You know, and so um, that's been very valuable in my life just to that's that's enough and move on.
0: I think she may have learned that from you because she's extremely patient with me, Mm -hmm. which is something that I appreciate because uh, I know that I am obnoxious. Uh, I don't know what to do about it. To be perfect. You probably honest. don't have
1: to do anything it's about it because she married you because she loves you the way you are. Yeah. Which so is awesome. you, you don't need to do anything about it. Opposites attract. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're forgiving and give each other grace and you always put the other person first, um, then you're going to be fine. Yeah. And you don't have to change old habits or bad habits unless it's healthy eating. And then you do need to change that because you want to live a long time with her. Right. Yeah. That's what I keep telling Bill. Um, I keep. <laughs> Do you want to have grandchildren? Do you want to be around for your grandchildren, you know? And he- is it working? No. no. <laughs> some days, yes, it is, yeah. and some days, no, it's not. But I, I still keep trying it. Mm-hmm. I've turned into my dad like that. I'm an obnoxious nag. I am. I'm, I try not to be, and I know, Cyril. Tell me, sometimes you know you're nagging me, and so then I'll stop doing what I'm doing, and I'm like, well, I'm not doing it to be a nag. I'm doing it because I don't have I have time on my hands, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes you ask me to remind you about things or whatever, and then I'll realize, okay, I'll stop, you know. But um but anyway, how do we get off on that tangent? Well she's
0: she can be that way sometimes too. And, <laughs> and
1: that for me, the nag.
0: <laughs> it's okay. Like when it benefits me, I appreciate yeah. it. But when I've when I've already thought of that thing yeah. and then she asks me if I have, I'll admit that it does get on my nerves. Yeah. But I oh, have to yeah. try to be patient with it because when See? it benefits me, I appreciate yeah. it. Uh was your dad the uh her the grandpa who carried around spinach in, yes, front? in his front? Okay, pocket. she yes. told me about that. Oh, was, yeah. was, she told me I was like gross.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so he um Whenever he was working, he would eat, as my mom would call it, high on the hog. That was their um, terminology. Yeah. Every night, you know, she tried to have dinner at 530, and we all sat down and ate as a family. That was a big deal. Back then, it was easy. We, we didn't have the extracurricular sports. We didn't have um, the Internet. We didn't have all the extra stuff going on. So it was really easy to do that. Can't do that nowadays. But they continued that through their retired life. And as he... Dealt with um, Alzheimer's in his family. He took care of his. Grandfather that had that His uncle Jim My uncle Jim His brother Jim That had that He all of a sudden Got really interested In um, nutrition mm-hmm. And then whenever I went through that Spill in college About I was interested In nutrition as well We both did The adult physiology lab At UofL And I think you can Still do it The most interesting Thing we did So Bill and I did it when In our early married life Before we had kids With my mom and dad And at that point UofL had a Shelby campus which was down off of shelbyville road and hershburn parkway Mm -hmm. and it was one point the music school moved out there um and we were working but we had no kids and we were married in our um 20s and we um did this adult physiology lab so they would um this is before computers so you didn't have any like fit Um, App That Mm -hmm. would tell you How many grams of protein How many grams of fat How many grams of carbohydrate You had in your diet Or what you needed Or what your BMI was It didn't tell you any of that So You signed up for this You paid a fee And then You went three days a week And they put you You went and You were under In the water And they did your BMI Mm. And They Made up a plan for you for what you should eat calorie wise and gave you some suggestions and how much exercise you should get. And it was great because then they put you in a category walk, walk, jog or slow walk, fast walk, walk, jog or jogger. They Mm -hmm. have four categories. So um, I was in the fast walk group. My dad was in the walk jogger group, 40 Mm. years older than me. Forty for years him. older than me. He was in the walk jaw group. My mom and I were in the in the fast walking group my, and Bill was in the, the uh walk jaw group.
0: It could have had something to do with like just being a man.
1: I don't know. Like, I think he was in better shape than I was of in my twenties. Like I, I mean I was I was chunky when when I saw tall dark, and handsome, I was chunky. I'm you know, probably weighed a little bit more than I do now. I've always been chunky. I've always had a tummy, you know, never wore a bikini, never looked like Sarah, never ran. Oh I don't know where my kids got the running gene. You know, I can walk, but I'm... yeah. But um, anyway, so Sarah makes
0: me so mad. She's got. She's basically just all leg. Yeah, she is. Even when we walk, <laughs> she's long like, legs. Like slow down.
1: Yeah, she's lumpy. Her dad has long legs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Mine are long, but I'm still short. But um, so, anyway, that's where I started getting interested in nutrition and everything. And my dad did too. My dad, being the engineer, because he went to U of L too, he didn't finish school, but he was an engineer for South Central Bell because back then you didn't have to have a degree. Mm-hmm. And um, and he almost had a nervous break down, breakdown going to school because he was married and working full time. Mm. And so, um, so, that's why whenever we all went to school, he said, You don't need to work right i'll pay for your education you just need to focus awesome. yeah well yeah i took advantage of it and i screwed it up <laughs> you know I, I really did i should have done better
0: no nah, well i, I had it the chance out okay
1: yeah it worked out okay but um so anyway um We got into nutrition back then, and uh, most of the time, if Bill was out of town, Bill Dad would come to my group, and he'd walk jog with us. So it was a lot of fun. We had a lot in common, but he would write down everything how many every food he ate, and he would digest it and write down protein, fat, carbohydrates. Now he had these logs. I think I still have a couple of them because he kept everything, and I kept a couple just for nostalgia. And um, and so then he really got into nutrition, plus taking care of his Alzheimer's. He was wanting to delay that. And he did a good job. He knew what foods to eat, um, and he did a good job, you know, with his life and his body and exercise and everything. So as he got older... He would keep spinach. He wanted to eat spinach with every meal, and he wanted cooked spinach, whereas we eat raw spinach all the time. And it also helped with macular degeneration. He had that with his eyes. And, I mean, literally his eye doctor would go, I don't know what you've done to slow the process, but your eyes have almost gotten better. And he did the research. He got... Um, in the encyclopedias And would go to the library all the time He was always at the library researching and stuff And, and he found out That something in spinach helped with macular degeneration So he always my, my, Precious. he was Poopsie and my mom was precious. poopsie would always go get spinach for precious to cook. That was their little nicknames for each other. And uh, he would always put it, she would put it in baggies and he would have it in the refrigerator. he would take his cooked spinach. Now, you know if that were me, I would have just eaten the spinach at home, but he wanted it with his meal. so if we went out to dinner, He'd pull that spinach out of his pocket and put it on his plate and always eat his spinach. But he just did that because it was healthy. Not that he liked it because when he was my age or younger, again, not my age, when he was younger, he didn't eat healthy. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as he got older, he realized he wanted to live a long life and he didn't want Alzheimer's to affect him in his 60s. Mm -hmm. So he put it off till his 80s. But um,
0: that's the thing that I struggle with is learning to eat. Because of its purpose. Yeah. Because I eat because it makes me feel happy. Oh, yeah. Me too. And that's the worst.
1: I'm a stress eater. Yeah. I am a terrible stress and a sweet lover and so is my husband. Mm. One of the things, I love Emily Berry's... um, Facebook page. Yeah. Sarah told me she was doing what she's doing and uh, I love her Facebook page so I got on there just to follow her because she really um, puts a lot of valuable information in that yeah. and I've just so enjoyed li- I love listening to young people and I love being around young people so it's really been good for me and I've shared her page with a couple of people that I work with because they're into that and mm-hmm. even uh, shared it with my boss when she was talking about how she needed to do some diet counseling with some uh, a patient but um, anyway she, she puts some valuable information on there and very very fun for me i've asked her a couple of questions you know like
0: shout out to emily barry mama yeah, Berry yeah. nutrition oh, yeah. on facebook she and instagram good.
1: i know i like supporting people like that but um so that that's really been interesting for me so yes my dad always carried spinach in his pocket and uh people would laugh at him he didn't care and um and and I, it's funny to see tendencies like my dad and my kids yeah and um I see that in both of my kids. Really? And, and Sarah, too, you know, because she is kind of like my dad because she's she my dad was not a real big talker. Yeah. You know, just like she he didn't like being the center of attention. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't. either. She hates that. She I hates don't being understand the, that. No, she never, ever liked being the this center my of favorite attention.
0: Thing. If I can get a group of people listening to me talk, I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Let's see what kind of trouble I can get in. <laughs> It's my favorite. Opposites thing. attract. That must be yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that's, you know, probably one of the reasons why she loved being around you or going out with you. She didn't she could relax. She didn't have to carry the conversation. Yeah. You know, when she was a little kid, she was so into getting things done and organizing and what are we gonna do today? What are the plans? Mm-hmm. Like my she's
0: still that better way. Better half. And that's the worst thing ever because I I don't. Yeah. What are we gonna do today? Babe, I don't know. I was waiting for you to tell me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the best thing you could do is I'm yeah. um, doing whatever you want me to do. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Tell me what you want me to but do. But sometimes
1: do it. she'd like for you to say I know. Yeah. I know. She'd like for I you need to, to take, take the more initiative. initiative. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. So because she wants to do what you, make you happy. So y'all, y'all make a great couple. Yeah, yeah, you really do. I see that. Yeah. that first year of watching you all with your newly married life has been really good. You're great communicators.
0: Marriage has been. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if she feels the same way. And it might be a bad sign that I'm going to say this, but it's been easy.
1: Oh, has it's been it? so easy. Very she, she makes it very easy. Yeah. Oh, um, you're so sweet.
0: It's I'm, I, yeah. I mean, we don't often fight, which might yeah. be a bad thing. No, I don't know um that's not
1: bad bill and i don't fight yeah we have disagreements and we have uh, you know disagreements in our opinions on things um but we can voice them yeah i don't agree with um 100 percent of my husband's yeah. saying otherwise i wouldn't be here this today
0: yeah good point <laughs> if you yeah. think
1: about it but you know i listen to his viewpoint and i go okay and then i do what i want
0: yeah so does she yeah
1: Which there is you per- go. that's perfect yeah. that's perfect yeah that's that's a Part of you is two opposites attra- attracting mm-hmm. and getting together. You know, I think it becomes a problem when you start expecting that other person to change yeah. or you start expecting that other person to be something that you didn't marry. Yeah. You know, and and everybody's going to change. Gosh, physically, emotionally, and my attitudes have all changed from whenever I was 25 and got married. Oh, my gosh. Thank goodness.
0: My like, attitude changes like throughout the day. <laughs> the person who I am, I mean, is different depending on the experience that I'm having. But that's true about everything. Yeah. That's yeah. true about everybody. Yeah. Like what you are experiencing, what you had to for dinner last night. I've got a headache right now. I'm I'm a little hungover. I'm being perfectly honest with you. <laughs> you don't look. I'm hungover. trying my best. I'm trying my best. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So like you know, you, and that's another thing that you know that you, that you realize, and that's something that I had to like learn, like through actual like. A pursuit of understanding in college yeah. was that, you know, who you are is really determined by your experiences. And then that was really empowering for me because what I eventually also learned was, you know, I get to choose how I respond. Right. And when I'm being mindful, which is something that mm-hmm. well, I, I, we could talk about quite a bit. Sarah actually told me that one of the things that you're interested about me is I talk about meditation. Yeah. And like what that means to me. Um, I've talked about it on here a lot. I don't do it. I should. It's something that I've, I value and I think I would benefit from. And yeah. then I don't. It's just like yeah. running. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. Yeah.
1: It's hard to be disciplined yeah. to do anything. I'm the
0: worst and about it. I'm so yeah. undisciplined. I, yeah. I, I, it drives me nuts about myself.
1: Yeah. yeah. And Sarah's a really pretty disciplined there. Extremely like my, disciplined. my dad was very disciplined. And I don't know how he did it, but he was extremely disciplined. And I think in my defiance, I would not be just because I'd didn't like that part of him, Mm -hmm. you know, it it would drive me nuts. And I'd be like, oh, kind of jealous. Yeah. You know, so I was more like my mom, but she's a lot like my dad. I see that Mm -hmm. in, in her and uh, she was like that growing up You know, she was always um, Very disciplined And when she was in school She would come home And you always knew where Sarah was Because she'd walk in the door And there'd be one item And then she'd walk over Through the kitchen And there would be something On the bar area You remember her old house Where she, Buckeye Where she grew up and Then she'd walk over And her homework would be on the table And then she'd walk over And take her shoes off there So you knew exactly where Sarah was She was in the bathroom Her hair thing might be in the bathroom Oh yeah, you can, still, she you had can to, still find yeah.
0: her by <laughs> Following her trail
1: Trail yeah The Sarah trail right yeah. You know And no matter what We had hooks in the uh, Laundry room And that's where they were Supposed to put their stuff And their shoes No she,
0: She's I definitely think She's gotten better at that she
1: Well it happens Whenever all of a sudden You have your own house yeah. And all of a sudden There's the toothpaste glob In the sink That mm-hmm. used to drive her brother nuts Because they shared a bathroom mm-hmm. And uh, the toothpaste glob In the sink All of a sudden She's got to clean up Her own toothpaste glob mm-hmm. Now you know
0: No, I do that No <laughs> You know, it's funny because oh, before funny. we got married yeah. I, I think it was the day that I came to your all's yeah. house and we sat down together and Sarah wasn't there. And the only thing that he who shall not be named said yeah. to me was, You know, she's messy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's because he who shall not be named had tears in his eyes all the whole time you were there. Yeah. And we had a list of questions. I don't did I bring my written list out or did I hide it so I didn't want to intimidate you?
0: I don't know. I don't remember. You don't
1: remember. Do you remember what you ate?
0: No. Should I?
1: Uh, no. Because okay. it was something I don't think you've ever had again. And when I told Sarah, she was like, "Oh, he probably hated that, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> spinach and ham quiche had spinach." No, on I would have.
0: <laughs> I would have enjoyed that. I think well, I would have enjoyed, enjoyed that. You yeah. Ate it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like spinach.
1: Oh yeah, that she was. Sarah
0: brought home that. He uh, was so emotional. That egg casserole that you guys made.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. the only
0: thing that could make that, but I love spinach and yeah. eggs. Yeah. And Keisha's is, is, is spinach egg. Spinach and eggs, and yeah,
1: yeah that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, now that you know that, she can make that yeah. for you, <laughs> You see, But yeah, um, so she was, she was always been like that. But she would, you know, next thing you know, would be we would get home like, because I picked my kids up from school. They didn't ever ride the school bus. Why should they? They live five miles away from school. <laughs> school started at 830. The bus got there at 705. Mm-hmm. No, that's ridiculous. Why mm-hmm. should they have to go through Oldham County just to get to school? So I always took them to school. And then when they got older and, and William could drive, he drove them to school and drove them crazy because she got there so late and as you know sarah's very punctual yeah so um that's probably why because her brother was not and um he always made her late but yeah, i'm she, not either
0: which is another way that she kind of functions as my brain
1: okay she'll get me <laughs> she, places on yeah. time
0: even if i'm not yeah ready to she's be,
1: great is nice. yeah and um so she would you know 330 we'd get home at 305 and um uh, 315 and by 330 quarter to four homework's done can i go to the barn now you know, and okay, let's go. And William wouldn't have even finished eating his snack, you know. So, uh, yeah, she she was always just very disciplined, very meticulous and very um, organized and a perfectionist. So we had to work on that perfectionist tendency because... When she was little, that really got to be a problem, like I said, with her friends. You know, we, mm-hmm. we had a bunch of kids over to play games, and they'd be outside playing games, and she would organize the games and everything. That's why she'd be a great teacher. And um, she'd come in, Mom, they're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're supposed to wet the sponge and run down and squish it out, and they're throwing the sponges at each other, you know. Well, I've just, seen it was hot, and they were just having fun, you know.
0: She's still that way a little bit.
1: And so, yeah, so—and— and, going you know she begged for 2 years to ride horses and we were like where did she get this love of horses i never realized my dad rode horses a lot mm-hmm. bare back in the farm you know no big deal but um when we would go on vacations family vacations a lot of times bill would take the kids trail riding we would find a place and he would take them trail riding and i would get to sit and read a book cuz nice. i'm scared of horses ah, nice. so um we think that must be where she's all of a sudden got her love for horses so Um, After two years of begging And two years of You know Let's have a pony party At a barn somewhere Or one year We had the lady Bring the ponies To our house And um, we finally Let her take uh, Lessons And then she would Always ride horses And always get The blue ribbon And then when she got her own horse, sometimes she didn't get the blue ribbon. Well, mm. she would throw a fit. Yeah. So we had to teach her. It's not about the ribbons. It's not about the ribbons. You know. So then she got it. Okay. It's not about the ribbons, and uh, she had a great horse, little buckwheat. And um, we would. I remember one time we went to the show, and it was an event. And I think she had Promise. I think it was when Promise was young, and she would remember that better than me. And we pulled in, and we saw all the ribbons, and they had ribbons of like 12 different colors. So they weren't just given first, second, third, which was really nice because mm-hmm. we knew she wasn't going to get the first, second, or third. She mm-hmm. was on a green horse, a 4-year-old, an 11-year-old trying to ride this horse that wasn't trained, and she was little and couldn't really do what she had to do, and so she looked at it. She goes, you know what? I don't have that light blue one, and that was like 10th place. Yeah. And so her trainer was like, good. Okay, that's good. She doesn't have the light blue one. Sure enough, that's the color she got. Nice. It was just perfect. But, nice. you know, it's like, well, there again, the perfectionist, she picked the color and she got it. But, yeah. you know, horseback riding was really good for her. It helped teach that discipline. Mm. And, and she's still, helped.
0: she's so... I mean, she still, to this day, goes to the barn at least four times a week. She's
1: very caring. She's very, I think it helped her realize that she needed, plus all the animals that we had at our house, she needed to make sure other people were taken care of before her or other animals, you know, had what they needed before her. I think it helped that. I think it helped um, the discipline. I think it helped her save her money and learn she had to budget a little bit better, Mm -hmm. even though we you know supplemented when she was old enough to get a job she started working at 15 and Mm -hmm. she had to pay her own way a lot of times so whenever her friends talked about going to florida for spring break she didn't have the money yeah darn
0: i think it also helped her with her patience because yes when you're trying to get a 1500 pound animal to do what you want it to do and it doesn't want to (laughs) and you're just kind of shit out of luck there yeah it's not going to do it
1: that's right yeah so yeah. yeah
0: That was a really interesting thing. She asked me often about, like, how I feel about Promise. Well,
1: yeah, because her dad, you know, even thinks, and we've talked about some of her friends who uh, have horses, mm-hmm. one in particular, and... And the dad kind of feels like Bill, like, shoot, why did I ever buy her that animal? It's obligated her now that she's out on her own. He looks at it differently. Mm -hmm. Now she has that expense. She has that responsibility. And she had to find a man that would be willing to help her with that or at least tolerate that. And that's going to be, you know, when she was in college, he was like, she needs to sell that thing because that's a hindrance. That's going to be a problem. You know, that's going to be you know he looked at it as as differently than she does and you know fortunately you were really i guess really good with that well it's
0: sh- it's her problem <laughs> i mean and that's what that's i mean that's the that's it's basically a- the the deal that we've come to i yeah. was like babe i was like i don't know anything that's about funny. this i'm yeah. not really all that interested in it and yeah. like i would i uh, you know i definitely understand that you just hurt things- her feelings no, she. After we've talk, we've talked, oh, yeah. we've okay, had this good. conversation. We've okay, had this good. conversation. <laughs> um, I'm, I understand that. Like, m- what one thing that married couples can do that will improve their relationship is to try to find similar interests. Yeah, but I'm but uh, not but, that, but not that not yeah. at That's all. That's like well, she's not into
1: this. Yeah, no, no, no at all. Yeah, What's she it?
0: she she's she's humored me a couple of times, yeah. and so I will humor her. I'll yeah. go to the barn with her every once in yeah. a while and stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, this um, is Bill's ham radio. I went to one ham benching.
0: Oh yeah. Gosh, <laughs> a hamvention—that sounds delicious.
1: Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> the food was really bad. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it was it was interesting to go to. If you've never gone to a hamvention, you should experience it one time, and you would probably enjoy it because you like this stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's that I think is honestly way over my head because yes. <laughs> no. this is very simple. This is almost like this is as close to plug and play as you can get. Yeah. I mean, I had to do a little bit of of learning that, but the learning curve was was pretty small yeah. honestly
1: you know more than you think yeah maybe yeah but, um, but anyway so the horse is her her baby
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, and that's kind of...
1: But you had to tolerate it because think of how much... Well, don't think of how much money she spends each month. Sometimes each I do month. think about so, yeah. it. I'm
0: like, man, so we you have would to be tolerate freaking yeah.
1: <laughs> You know, you have to tolerate that. And that's, okay. that's what Bill feels bad about. You know, he knows how much that horse means to her. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he kind of feels bad, you know, that he feels like he obligated her that by giving her that animal. He obligated her to be, like, chained to it and that's you know I keep telling them you can't think of it that way it's her choice she can choose to let go or she Mm -hmm. can choose to keep it you know it's her choice now but she
0: definitely doesn't see it that way
1: which is good and honestly, from my experience like everybody needs an out it's a great out for her yeah it's a great Mm -hmm. release a great you know
0: and when we got married even with that expense mm -hmm. like our like cumulative earning potential increased. Right. So for me, I mean, it didn't increase as much as it could have, obviously, but I'd never experienced that level of, Increase, right? So I don't know what I'm missing,
1: right? That's true. Sometimes I too. think
0: about it, and I'm like, "Oh my God, man, we could we could have so much yeah, money just, saved up." Just
1: don't think about that, I know. yeah, because
0: I'm not a big spender. No, honestly. you're not,
1: and neither is she. She yeah. never has been. She was never interested in shopping and and things like that, unless it was an activity to do with others. She's like you; she very much values, I think, relationship. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple times in her career as a kid where I had to go, um. You know, people come before animals. Yeah. So I know you want to ride your horse, Mm -hmm. but you have already obligated to go to this birthday party or spend time with this friend. And one of the rules was at our when they were younger, you have to do what you chose first. You may have changed your mind, but you already told her you were coming to her house to play. So you go there first and you don't renege on your commitment Commitment was a big deal when my kids were growing up. What have you committed to? Uh, Piano lessons. She took piano. You know, We've committed to piano lessons for this many months. So when we're done, then you can quit. A couple times she got tired of dancing. That's fine. You committed to the recital. After the recital, then you can quit. So, um, you know, uh, that was a, a big learning thing for them, too. Once you're committed to this horse... You can't oh, she she is committed yeah. to that so horse. That we, is
0: something that I'm yeah. very very. Aware we of.
1: we leased a horse. We we didn't think she would stick with lessons. Bless her heart, the lady we took lessons with. The first lesson we can't we scheduled, the lady didn't show up. Oh really? Oh my gosh. Try telling your seven-year-old why someone, you know, didn't mm-hmm. show up. You know, it wasn't important. This is to why her. we don't quit. Exactly. This is why when
0: we say we're yeah. going to be somewhere, oh gosh, yeah. yeah.
1: And you know how many times she fell off and got hurt and had to get right back up and get right back on. So she learned some a lot Resiliency. of valuable lessons. Oh, very resilient. Yeah. yeah. And you know there are a lot of valuable She'd have lessons and that. No. <laughs>
0: Oh you. yeah,
1: or to deal with her mom. Yeah, yeah she got to be resilient. I'm yeah. used
0: to the women in my life loving their animals more than me, <laughs> so it's something that I've just been have, was born into and yeah. have, I'm used to at this yeah. point. I told you the story about how my mom told me that sh- she would rather me move out than get rid, rid no, of Callie. No, I was probably like twenty. Callie is
1: their little dog. Right? Callie's their tiny, okay. their
0: tiniest little, the little yappy one. And yeah. I was like twenty-one or twenty-two at this point. I was still living at home. I didn't move out till I was like twenty-four, and um. You know, I was playing this game. I, I knew the game I was playing. Um, but I, I said to my mom, I said, Mom, you know, what would you do if... Wh- like, I were to get become allergic to Cali or something like yeah. that. Because we, we were actually talking, because I developed an allergy to cats. Oh, yeah. And I recently, in my adult life, developed an allergy to tree nuts. Yeah. So I was like, what what would you do if I developed an allergy to, to Cali? And you have to know my mom to imagine her doing this, but she took it very seriously. And she yeah. Got, she kind of got a... Well, Mitchell, you know, you can take care of yourself.
1: But uh, Callie can <laughs> Callie needs yes. me.
0: And I think that's really kinda how my what my mom really values about the dogs is yeah. like they they, they need, need her yeah. there. Oh yeah. She feels like she's serving a purpose by yes. by being there for them. And,
1: yes. Everybody needs to be needed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh so so that I'm by now like Sarah loves Promise more than me. That's fine.
1: <laughs> but she really doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> she loves her differently. Yeah. Not more. Yeah. Yeah. Words are just really important. That's you true. Know, Good point. And how you phrase things and I'm how you look at more. things. I'm going to stick with more. I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> okay. You can, you can. I'm okay stick with, with it. it. I'm fine.
0: I'm fine. <laughs> I know my place and uh, I've, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But. But yeah, no, that was actually never really. It was never really something I considered. Honestly, uh, I knew from kind of the same thing we talked about earlier, from mistakes that I had made in relationships in the past,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what things I valued in a in a partner and mm-hmm. what things I didn't value in yeah. a partner. And Sarah had all the things I was looking for, and the things that were not perfect. Yeah, didn't, they don't matter. It's the things she's consistent. She does what she says she's going to do. She's there when she says that she's going mm-hmm, to be there. Mm-hmm. I've dated people who that was not the case. And it was, right. it was super, super annoying.
1: Yeah, because I think your generation didn't learn that you had to do that. Like like my generation, no cell phones, yeah. no internet, no email, mm-hmm. no other way to communicate. And so they said, you know, I'll pick you up at noon on Saturday, a week early. Yeah. And You had to remember that. You had to write it down in your agenda or your little, at that point, Hallmark cards used to give away these little bitty pocket size calendars for free. Yeah. And you would go in there. So that's what all us girls kept our calendar in our purse because it was small. And you would write date with handsome. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how he got his name, handsome, tall, dark, and handsome. Date with handsome. And then you would write it down there. Well, the interesting thing was you didn't discuss between now and then what you were doing or anything so you had to trust yeah that person had to you know you do what they said they were going to do otherwise you know did you get stood up there there's where the terminology came from they didn't show up you got stood up yeah you know and and we didn't talk about what we were wearing or anything so i lived with my parents and so he would pull up and my dad they were retired at the time my dad would Look out the living room window Because my mom had shears up So you couldn't see that Mm -hmm. my dad was standing there And Handsome would pull up In his 65 Mustang and get out And I would be back in my bedroom Almost ready to go But not quite And my dad would yell what he was wearing Blue jeans (laughs) Or khaki pants (laughs) (laughs) So then I would know what to wear for the date So I would know Sarah (laughs) doesn't admit it
0: but she tries to match me also For sure sure.
1: So then he would come in and talk to my parents He never asked why I was never ready Mm -hmm. He would come in and talk to my parents For 10 or 15 minutes uh, Before we left so they got to know him But yeah he didn't know that for many Many years that you know I guess until I would move to the dorm Or the sorority house One year I lived in the sorority house Uh, That was scary it was the year of the bombs, the, the sewers blew. You remember hearing about the year the sewers blew? There's no. a song. You could probably even ask Google to play that song or whatever. Somebody in Louisville wrote that... Um, what well, Bill knows the story so much better than I do, because I don't pay attention to detail like he does. But one of the manufacturing plants here in Louisville was dumping a chemical. And I forget what the chemical mm. is, if you look it up, into the sewers. And they weren't supposed to. And so I lived in the Kappa Delta house on the third floor, me and my two girlfriends. And... Um, We were up there and there was a fire escape, you know, the old steps that went up there. And so we often worried about somebody coming in after us because it it was not a real secure old building. Mm -hmm. And my handsome also made a small and using, I think, a secrets box alarm system that we had on the door coming up there. So we always turned that on. Mm -hmm. Um, So we knew if somebody came up the door, but we wouldn't hear them if they came up the, the fire escape to get into our window but um so that methane or whatever it was exploded Uh, it made methane Uh, gas yeah yeah exploded and uh the sewers blew and like
0: fireballs came shooting out all the toilets and stuff oh my gosh
1: yes boom we had no idea what happened school was canceled roadways were blown up down third street and dumanil and all those down there just explode i mean Big holes in all the roadways down there. So from like the manhole
0: covers, yeah, I guess. Yeah, from manhole wow. covers. Um,
1: big huge holes. So we actually, it was a lawsuit, and we actually got money. And the funny thing was that the Sigep house was one right here, and then there was a big field in between, which you actually could have. Um, built another house or they could have but then there may have been one torn down years ago we would put up a volleyball net play volleyball there and then there was a Cappa Delta house well they drew lines according to how much money you got mm-hmm. uh, if you were living downtown so the line was right between the Cappa Delta house and the cigarette house mm-hmm. so my sister was like Susan when you go down there tell them you were spending the night with your boyfriend in the cigarette <laughs> house you'll get twice as much money that's
0: hilarious it's <laughs>
1: like no I can't do that but um but anyway yeah. so
0: so that that actually was a really great kind of like full circle conversation. We made it back to kind of where we started. So I think this is a really great opportunity for us to wrap up. Are you feel good about that?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll stop anytime because I could talk all day. Well, we
0: can, we can, we can keep talking (laughs) off air, but thank you so much for doing this. This was awesome. This was really fun.
1: Yeah. You would tell me that anyway, because I'm your (laughs) mother-in-law.
0: Yeah. I would tell you anything you wanted to hear. (laughs)
1: That's right. I would say
0: whatever you want to hear. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's okay.
0: (laughs) Um, So this was super fun. Um, Yeah.
1: I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've I'd enjoyed, enjoyed it podcast. too. podcast. I've enjoyed getting to know you. I and, really yeah.
0: appreciate that you listen to it.
1: I don't really care if you listens to it. And I don't really care if you if you publish it or not. But it's been fun. Oh, I'm definitely yeah. going to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but I just really appreciate you doing yeah, it. And it was no really fun.
1: Yeah, I've enjoyed spending the time with you. Awesome. Well, you have a great setup. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye. <laughs> Alright guys, that's the podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, be sure to share this episode with somebody you think might appreciate it. If you know someone who knows Susan, they're probably not already listening. So send them a link. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, it doesn't matter. And while you're at it, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. Five stars or whatever it is. Let people know that you appreciate what you're hearing. Uh, We want to have as many people listening as possible. Go check out the Facebook page. There's been a couple of posts made regarding Susan's episode. Leave some comments. Let people know what you thought. Start up a conversation. I'm 100% sure that if you start up a conversation on my Facebook post, Susan will respond to you personally. And it will be a really, really pleasant experience, I think. If you really appreciate what we're doing here at Just Friends, maybe consider checking out the Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts. You can become a patron and you can support what we're doing here. All support helps. I appreciate everybody who's listening. But a big shout out to my patrons, Tim Higdon, Ryan Ray, David Vandenberg, Emily Berry, and Benjamin T. Risen. The real MVPs. All right, guys. I really hope you appreciated our conversation with Miss Susan. Tune in next week for another awesome conversation. I hope everybody's staying safe. Staying healthy, taking care of yourselves, investing in yourself and in each other. I love you all. I hope you have a fantastic week. Bye.